Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I am your host, Erin Palmer, and I am joined once again by the lovely Julie and for the very first time, Miss Mary. Hello, my ladies. Welcome. Hello. So happy to be here. <laughs> Hello again. Julie, you're back. I am. <laughs> You can never get rid of me. Oh, my God. I will never get rid of you. Are you kidding me? My star pupil. Star, I tell you. Please never. You two, like, back and forth, it's it's great. I know. I I keep telling Julie, it's like, uh, I will stop asking you once you tell me that you are sick of talking to me about things. And that has yet to happen, so. Oh, man. And I don't think either of you could stop talking books, so it's like, just keep it going. Julie is the only other person besides most of my family that can keep up with any sort of movie buff, like, knowledge. So, sorry, Julie, you're stuck there forever. I mean, why apologize? I mean, no one else likes to listen to me rant about anything. Oh, my God, Julie. But that's why we have these echo chambers that we record ourselves so that everyone can hear this. Yep. Yep. And, you know, even if it was just, like, one person and a dog listening to this, I don't care because I'm having a really good time just ranting with Julie. And I love bringing other people in so that it doesn't sound like it's just me and the Julie show of just ranting. There you go. Hey. And that could be it. That could be like an off podcast, like me and the Julie show just ranting. Oh, I mean, that's kind of the pseudo name now. It's like me and Julie show. <laughs> well, you just said the, the you, you and me show and the uh, you and Spencer show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Spencer yes, is yes. also my other pride and joy, which God bless my returners. I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, let's talk about our topics today. So, Miss Mary, I'm going to pick on you first. What is our source material today? Our source material is possibly one of my favorite books and just a beloved gothic um, romance, uh, Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice, uh, originally published in 1976 based on um, a short story she wrote a few years prior in 1968. And it follows the vampire Louis de Pontillac and his ascension into being a vampire being led by the vampire Lestat who we all love to hate and hate to love (laughs) and how tragically awful that is for him and it just it's just it it would be a tragedy of errors if it wasn't so funny yes Yes, (laughs) absolutely oh that is our source material and it then branches into you know the beautiful vampire chronicles so that is what our source material is awesome well Julie I'm gonna bounce over to you what is our adaptation today our adaptation is actually two adaptations, the first Woo-hoo! of which being Interview with the Vampire, uh, the 1994 film directed by Neil Jordan, starring yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas, and of course, a very, very young uh, Kirsten Dunst. Ooh. Yeah. And the second is also Interview with the Vampire, the 2022 TV series on AMC, directed Yay! by Robin Jones, or created by Robin Jones, mm-hmm. and Starring uh, Jacob Anderson of Game of Thrones fame, Sam Ooh. Reed, Asad Zaman, and Bailey Bass as the new Claudia. Yes. And they yes, are yes. all just so dang sweet. Ooh, they they're all, all really bunch, good. They're all yeah. just a bunch of cupcakes. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing about that, the newest one, I mean, it just came out. This is mm-hmm. brand spanking new. And it's interesting because they actually have advertised it as Anne Rice's interview with a yes. vampire, whereas the film is just interview with a vampire, even though mm-hmm. both by Anne Rice. But interesting reason. We'll get into why that is for the specific name choice for the show versus the film. Yes. Uh, oh, Man, I'm ready for this. Oh, this is so good. This is going to be so good. Yes. Uh, I'm very excited. There, we have a lot of different things to talk about today. So obviously, my lovelies, spoilers 
This is a very large universe. We're going to be talking Mm -hmm. a lot about this. There is many other depths of this kind of world that Anne Rice has created. So if you do not want things spoiled, pause, go experience a bajillion things and then come back. This is like very similar to like Ghost in a Shell where the universe is just so expansive and you don't know it until you just start diving. So lots of spoilers, lots of layers. So be prepared. I will add a tack on to that. Do not watch Queen of the Damned. (laughs) Oh, man. Listen to the soundtrack. Don't watch the movie. Listen to the soundtrack. (laughs) Oh, well, that stellar review. We must watch it now, (laughs) Jelly. No, don't. We can hate watch it later. Yes, I say the the dude who plays Lestat is such a dick. (laughs) Everyone hates him. But it's the love to hate. No, 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 no there's time. no love not with that time. performance. The no, LGBTQ it was all community hate. does not like oh, him. Oh, that, okay, that's true. That's fair. We'll <laughs> shut that down. That is a very yes. good point. So, yes. no, we just hate. Just hate. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, glowing review, starting yes. off strong. <laughs> but we have, we have things we love that we'll share with you, so... You know, Mm. we'll show the things we love. (laughs) Mm. Yes, we'll get there, my lovelies. All right. Before we get started with our discussions, my dear lovelies, are we pro-source or pro-adaptation? And I'm going to pick on Miss Julie first. Me? (laughs) All right. Um, You know what? I love the movie. It was the first thing I saw within this universe. Um, But... I fell in love with the books. I read them all as a teenager, devoured them. Uh, and we we just finished the latest adaptation this last week. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm withholding my judgment until like, you know, it's complete, whether or not right. I love it or one. not. So mm-hmm. I have a bunch of mixed feelings, but I'll just go classic and say source at this time. Mm. Yeah. All right. Mary, your thoughts? For me, it's really, it's a mixed bag because I like them all in different ways. And I I read all, I read, not, I can't say I read all the books. I have read a large portion of the books. And I, the movie, like she said, was, the movie was my first introduction yeah. to the, to the story and to the world. Um, and then I read Interview with the Vampire and then continued on. Um, so I got to say, I, a little bit of both. I, I like yeah. each of them in different ways, and I have I have problems or like eh with each of them in certain ways. Oh yeah, yep. Uh, I feel like we are all three in the same boat. The film was <laughs> the first thing that I was introduced to. Um, I'm definitely gonna be the odd man out here. I've only read this first book for this episode, so I have not <laughs> read anything else. So I am in for a ride, and I cannot wait because I've heard many many. Uh, kind of plot devices and storylines from Julie because she is the most knowledgeable person that I have in my group, but now I have two, which I'm very Yay! excited about. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I can't wait to learn more about it because they're I feel like very newbie when it comes to this universe beyond the film and now one book and now the show, even though they're yes. all quite different for different reasons. <laughs> yes, they're all different and they all have pros and cons and they all have things about them. <laughs> yep, yep. So I think we're in for a wild ride and I can't wait. All right. Let's get into it. So, Mary, I'm going to pick on you. Could you please give us a synopsis of the source material, if you please? So we start off and um, we have the vampire Louis and, you know, Daniel Malloy, who for a majority of the book, I think if not the entire book is called The Boy. And uh, so they're having an interview and you can tell at first, you know, he's like, oh, this guy's just, you know, a freak who just thinks he's a vampire. And so he starts telling a story. And as the story progresses, he's like, oh, oh, shit. He's, he's the real deal. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we start off, so Louis's life begins, he lives in Louisiana, and he's a plantation owner. Boo. Which, I gotta say, boo. 
But anyway, um, he's a plantation owner. Um, he's very, very sad. He had a brother who died. And I, there, it's all this mixed bag of whether or not it was suicide, whether people blame Louis for it. And in the end, it just leaves him being very, very vulnerable and very, very uh, suicidal. And, you know, he really wants to die. And guess what? Lestat is very happy to help him with that, except, you know, makes him a vampire. And as time goes on and he starts his vampire tutelage, in this book at least, which is, you know, called into question by following books of its truthfulness and accuracy, because... It, without getting too far into the later books, you know, Lestat later goes, how dare you say these things happen? They didn't happen that way. But anyway, yeah. um, Louis does not like Lestat eventually and sees him as kind of vain and petty and he doesn't like his his crassness towards morality because that's a really big thing in these series is when you are immortal and when you're a vampire, what does life really mean? And how do you, when when death is no longer something that that you are afraid of, what do you do? Mm -hmm. So they eventually start, you know, Louis like, I'm going to leave his ass. So, and, and Lestat's, Lestat starts getting that vibe. And so he's like, no, I'm going to baby trap you because yep. <laughs> Claudia, uh, Claudia comes into the picture. And in the story, in the no novel, she is like a six-year-old girl who is inspired by Anne Rice's loss of her daughter. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, we see a lot of things like, you know, Louis being heavily influenced as a Anne Rice self-insert, Lestat being, you know, Anne Rice's husband self-insert in certain ways. And um, their romance very much based on that. And so as you can expect when you turn a six-year-old into a vampire, it goes really, really, really bad. Yeah. And, you know, lots of resentment, lots of tension. You know, there's a little bit of time where they're, what we might call happy but in the novel there's a there's a lot of problematic stuff in Anne Rice's Anne Rice's thing that I can tell they're already kind of like leaving out and I'm okay with that because mm -hmm. Claudia starts getting kind of jealous and kind of likes Louis and it's not front and center but it's definitely there and yeah. um, there's kind of like a jealousy thing back and forth. And so after about 60 years, Claudia's like, you know, he's mean. Lestat is mean. He's nasty. I don't like him. You don't like him. Let's kill him. And Louis kind of do. on the fence about it because he's just like, well, he's all I've known. And, you know, you're both kind of evil. And so it ha they um, Claudia poisons, you know, some people. I mean, two two little boys. Lestat drinks them. There's the first killing where she slits his throat. He comes back. They burn him. And then in, in the book, he has, it's really short, but I got to touch on it. He has Anton, who is a musician who he really liked. And he could tell it was kind of to be like, well, I've got this other guy, Louie. I've got this other guy who I really like. He plays music. What do you do? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it really, it's, it's not, you know, it pales in comparison because you can tell it's just kind of like a jealousy thing. Mm -hmm. But he turns Anton into a vampire and it's kind of, it's kind of ambiguous as to when that happens. But Anton and Lestat show up only for it to not go very well. And then Louis and Claudia leave and it's kind of, you know, they, they expect that Lestat is dead, but you know, he's not dead. Yeah. Um, they go explore Europe looking for vampires. It doesn't go well. Most things, like if you say they're trying to do this, it doesn't go well. This is the theme. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, and they find they, this was a really cool part of the story that only really got touched on, I think in Claudia's diary, the graphic novel that was developed they they do find these really cool like zombie like vampires in mm -hmm. Europe and like northern Europe and they it again doesn't go well but they find them and they're like oh man i hope that's not the only sentient vampire out here 
and you know, then they go to Paris and you kind of, you kind of get this feeling like, man, I bet you wish that that was the only kind of vampire you were going to find. They find yeah. the, the Theatre de Vampire and Armand, who's my favorite Armand. character. He's, yeah. he's like, sorry, he's like Lestat, but like way worse. Yeah. <laughs> like this, and For this sure. is what I'm telling everybody, like as there being people who've never read the, sh- read the novels or know anything about it who are like, man, Lestat's bad. I'm like, you just you wait. Don't, you don't know. <laughs> you haven't just met Armand yet. Yeah. Lestat with 400 more years on him. Is what yeah. I mean. and, yeah. And like surprisingly more trauma. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like well, you 400 years will do that. Yeah. You you wouldn't expect there to. But anyway, I'm, I'm diving into other books. I'll try not. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So and this is a common theme in many of Anne Rice's books. Everybody. Everybody, every sentient person with a pulse wants to bang Louis. Every he walks into a room and the plants and the birds and the dogs and every single thing just turns and goes, damn. Damn, son. Um, and so it is it is no surprise that Armand is like, ooh. So, you know, he comes up and he's like starts. It's one of my favorite seduction arcs because it's so very vampire and it's so very gothic and it's so... It's like forbidden, like, oh, he's so evil. He's definitely evil, but oh man, oh, yeah. you know, um, he, do- he does it so much smoother than Lestat. But anyway, Armand is just an asshole because he separates Louis from Claudia and kind of creates seeds of discontent. And then he mm-hmm. makes influences Louis to change this doll maker who she's like an older woman. And Claudia's like, okay, I can see that you're wanting to leave me for your boy toy. That's okay. I got to yeah. have someone though, because I'm a six-year-old. I can't just walk around in this six-year-old body and, like, buy a house and, like, travel. So he transforms this uh, lady, Madeline. It's not fun because he's never wanted to enact that gift upon anyone because he doesn't view it as a gift because he's the most, quote-unquote, human of them all. And that's something that continues throughout the series, and that's something that draws all these monsters to him. Um, So he turns her, and very, very quickly, you know, Armand comes to him again. He's like, all right, you're free. And Louis is like, I'm not ready yet. And he's like, okay, well, now I have to take this into the next step. We'll fix this. Yeah, it's okay. It's like, all right, all right, okay. So they get kidnapped by the troop because, you know, Armand's like, I have no control of them. But he's literally the vampire. He's literally their (laughs) coven master. He literally does have control. He just works there. He doesn't know what to do. I just 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 work here. I'm their manager. (laughs) I Um, I just pop in every now and then to make sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to. And so he has this all orchestrated because unbeknownst, unbeknownst to Claudia and Louis, Lestat is there. Lestat ain't doing so hot in that he is very, very wounded and not himself yet. But he traveled all the way from from freaking America to be like, I don't like Claudia. Please kill Claudia. Let's have Louis back. And I don't know how he thought that would go. But, it, but you know. Really well, because yeah. everything goes really well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the running theme. Um so, like, a trial happens, and it's very clearly a biased trial. It's like, you know, you, you guys killed your maker. We've gotten that vibe from you this entire time. And even though we're going to kill you, we don't like vampires killing other vampires. But we'll um, make an exception. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> we'll kill you, but that's because we're a group and you're two. Yeah. So anyway, um, Claudia is sentenced to go be executed. And, um, you know, Lestat was like, okay, I get to keep Louis. And Armand's like, ah! And then the coven puts him in a coffin and he comes out and Claudia's dead. And there's a whole other thing that's touched on in the vampire Armand about what he may have done to Claudia and stuff like that. And I'm just like, Armand. So there's just, there's some beheading and some moving and some experiments. And I'm like, mm. so 
Anyway, she's dead, for lack of a better word. But you see her again later as a ghost. Anyway, Armand and Louis go and live their life. Louis blames Lestat, but he also slowly comes to the decision. It's like, oh, yeah, it was definitely Armand. He definitely did it. Um, they lived together for a couple unhappy decades. And then Louis kind of is by himself for a while. Then he finds Daniel. And by the end of it, Daniel's like, oh, I've heard this horrible, horrible story. And I want to be a vampire now. Naturally. And Louis's like, have you listened? And he's like, yeah. And that's <laughs> obviously not close enough. <laughs> yeah, that's basically when Louis's like, okay, well, you know, I failed. Bye. And then... <laughs> The story continues, and it picks up in about a decade where Anne Rice continues the vampire Lestat, who you can tell. Well, that, that's like, a that's a whole different book. Yeah, that's there. that's yeah. a whole other yeah. book, and she has completely changed that character around. He is not the same vampire as he is in the Interview with the Vampire, but that is the book. Yeah. All right, we did it. We're done. Yay! Yep. Bye, guys. That was the whole. <laughs> that was the whole book. Yeah. No, we're good. All right, we're good. Got it. All right, we've, we've done all we need to do here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right. Well. There's that. Yep. <laughs> yes. How, how do we feel about this? Like, tell me your thoughts. Like, it sounds like the book kind of came after the film was our kind of toe in the water for all of us. So I'll go bounce over to Julie. Like, initial thoughts. Like, obviously, you really liked the universe. What kind of brought you into the book universe? Yeah. I mean, I read this book when I was about, I want to say, 14, maybe 15 years old, like just starting high school. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously, you know, not to be like a total stereotype because I don't like to think of myself as a ter- stereotypical teenage girl, but <laughs> like, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's a capital G, capital R, gothic romance vampire book. Um, <gasps> and and that, that kind of a literature draws you in because uh, everyone has so many emotions. Yes, Aaron. everyone's so sad. And everyone's so horny and everybody's yes. so sad. And that's yeah. kind of Louis's whole appeal here is that he is just so racked with sadness and despair and guilt, even when he was human, because as mm-hmm. Mary mentioned, his his brother um, mm-hmm. having died tragically and him not even being sure, was it my fault? Was it an accident? Was yeah. it on purpose? Etc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, just going throughout the whole thing of like, you know, wanting to die, but then meeting a vampire and not wanting to die. And then what does it mean to become a killer? That's how you live. And the circumstances that led to him, you know, harming Claudia and her becoming a vampire and the guilt and just like soul shredding guilt he has about that whole thing. And uh, his love for her as, as a child, but that like both blinding and not him in regards to how she is and just the mixed feelings he has in regards to Lestat because you know he's he goes on and on about how Lestat is just like the worst and he's only with me for my money and it's like then why don't you leave Louis if you're in if you're in the position of power why don't you leave but he doesn't uh so he is just he's all emotion is what is the appeal is to to Louis (laughs) and so when you read into that it's like you want you want more Louis after all this. You want to see what happens with him because he ends the novel with like, you know, first off, like I'm empty. Like there's yes. nothing left to me. What even is the point of living? And yeah. then the boy, the interviewer, yes. goes on like, no, make me a vampire. And he's like, uh, how I about failed. I scare the shit out of you first? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I failed. This was my yeah. this was my penance. And I tried to make yeah. do something good out of this mess. And it got completely misconstrued. 
Yeah. yeah. And then, so it's like, oh man, you know, I want more Louis. I want more mm-hmm. of these characters. And you go in and Louis barely in the rest of the series. Yeah, and that's, that, that's the biggest thing. He is only there for like, uh, Lestat. And I think, yeah, Merrick, we get to see a lot more of him. But yeah. he's barely a main character and not to jump too into the ad- adaptation yet, no. but that is something that they've said is not going to happen. He is going to remain a main character and stuff in the, mm. in the show. In the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, it. I think it's a big thing is that the context in which the, which the book was written, yes. uh, Mary kind of touched on that, is that uh, Louis is kind of an analyze for analog and Lestat is an analog for her husband mm-hmm. because their child died from cancer when she was about five or six years old. And yeah. so this was obviously like a grief project of some sort. Yeah. Um, and like, I may you know, have what, read this. Was it yeah. leukemia? It was. Yeah. So like this early tragedy and, you know, you're writing this book to like, you know, work through your feelings of it. And, you know, when you kind of like go through the book, you realize just how weak of a character list uh, louis is not not just from like you know oh he has nothing to him but just like he has no agency mm. he's just there to feel feelings and just kind of follow everyone else through the thing his kind of like a toddler yeah his his only <laughs> real like uh choice and action that he does is like burning the vampire theater down which was uh, pretty metal which was yeah, pretty, yeah, that, was yeah pretty that was like if you're gonna make an action like that's a good one to start that, that's with. a good one like um, all yeah. this pent-upness has been like all right let's go yeah. boiling for and, a few decades and yeah. so <laughs> it makes sense that you know she writes her sequel 10 years later mm-hmm. and that louis barely in it because she doesn't need that grief anymore that vehicle anymore yeah. Yeah. yeah so she like dives into other characters yeah. So, and the and the universe becomes a bigger universe as opposed to just this little thing of yeah. a vampire struggling with his emotions, struggling with the death and life of an immortal child, mm-hmm. uh, and what that means to him from a a, a parent. Essentially, mm-hmm. he, despite whatever Claudia's emotions were towards him, he was her parent. That's what he saw himself as, mm-hmm. yeah. and. Yeah, so that's kind of what drew me into the series. I don't know about you, Mary, but uh, yeah. it was just all the emotions and then afterwards all the vampire lore that goes with well, it. Well, yeah, I was say, I've always been a big vampire person. I love vampires and I love, like, gothic romances. So yeah. when I heard about, like, like Louis, Louis and Lestat were the reason I started reading the book. I mean, I like Claudia in the way that she's, like, you know, this sweet little thing that just, like, oh, fuck both of you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like her. She's a great, very empathetic character. But I'm like, oh, man, evil, evil asshole and sweet, sad boy. I'm yeah. for that. That I'm is here for my it. kind of dynamic right there. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. that's what drew me in. But then, you know, like you said, we get very little Louis. And I'm like, oh, and I I know this might be surprising, but after almost 10 books of Lestat going, man, I'm hot, man, I'm the best. I'm just like, you kind of like, okay, is anybody else, anybody else? I mean, we hear a little bit from others, but can, I'm we, like, can we have anyone else? Every now and then you're just like, Lestat. okay, I've, I've had enough of Lestat. <laughs> but obviously nobody else has had enough of Lestat. Oh yeah. No, and believe that all the time. Yes. Yeah. Love to hate and hate to love. But every now and then you're like, okay, anybody else? I need, I need a I need a palate cleanser. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like I, I I hate to bring up all the other books just because we are here to talk about Interview with the Vampire. But you can't talk about it without. Yeah. yeah. One thing I will yeah. mention is, despite all of his negative feelings towards Lestat, mm-hmm. the one character Louis is almost always with in the rest of the books. Yeah. Is Lestat. Yeah. And I mean, they end up together. They end up together in court. Yeah. So, but I mean- which is, I mean, but it just goes to show that perhaps in this book. Uh, and perhaps the adaptations too, we'll get into that, mm-hmm. is that Louis may or may not be a reliable narrator. 
Yes. Yeah. So I've definitely heard both of you mention that before that in later books, there's a lot of like, hmm, was that accurate? Yeah. (laughs) Well, not even in just the books. Like I said, like Louis Louis has all these like, um, you know, thoughts about why Lestat is with him. Mm -hmm. But those thoughts put Louis Louis in the position of power in the relationship. Like, oh, he's with me with my money. Well, if you have the money, Louis, why don't you kick his ass to the curb? Why don't you leave him behind in the night? Well, obviously something's keeping you with him. It's the classic relationship where they're stuck with someone they hate, but they love to complain about that person and they don't know who (laughs) they'd be without that person to complain about. Yeah, But like for 70 years? Yeah. That's a long time. That's a long con. Yeah. And he uh, had a way about him. He was yeah. saucy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, and Louis kind of mentions also that Lestat, you know, for all his, you know, roughness, for all his cruelty, that he has a charm to him. Exactly. You know, possibly it's a physical one. The book just never really goes into full on, like, you know, we did this. We yeah. we loved each other. We blah, blah, blah. It, mm-hmm. It's very much a read between the lines kind of thing, which 70s book. Yeah, you get it. She um, did as much as she could yeah. in that time period. Yeah, she and just kind of had to go, period. it's two guys living together with a child. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> and I mean, well, but, to be honest, though, like when she gets to the Armand arc, like it's full out like, I love you. I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, at least in that one, they bother to just full out be yeah. like, okay, well, she kind of shrouds it by having Armand say, you're going to be my connection to this age exactly. to help me stay alive. Right. Yep. Um, Is that what dodge. they're calling it these days? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so they, she kind of shrouds it with that. So it's not an outright, ooh, I love you, love you kind of thing. Nerve. So since yeah. Louis can't come out and just say, you know, I physically or emotionally love Lestat, mm-hmm. they kind of have to shroud it a bit. And so Louis's own emotions are a bit muddled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or intentions or feelings towards Lestat are a bit muddled. Yeah. And we know that also with in regards to Lestat, like any power he has over Louis as his creator and elder, he's not that much older than him because his mortal father is still alive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That's an interesting twist. Yeah. It's like we we know how old he is from the sequels, but again, trying to stick with just the information in this book, mm-hmm. we we know, we get that pretty big indicator because Daddy Lestat's still alive. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And Daddy Lestat was ugh. a peach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The apple does not fall fall far from from the tree. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely, um, the theme is a lot of trauma that is not being dealt with. Mm -hmm. And daddy is definitely a embodiment, like a living embodiment. And then he dies eventually in the beginning of the book. But it's like, you guys don't need to tell us your story. You need to go to a therapist. You need to get SSRIs if that works for vampires. (laughs) Yep, yep. It seems like their relationship, I feel like Louis has pretty much any relationship is like too codependent mm-hmm. in all the wrong ways yeah. like he he latches on to kind of the worst parts about relationships exactly. and then kind of justifies them or justifies why he can't leave which kind of turns into the same reasoning i guess but honestly yeah, in the series broken. even though you know it's daniel kind of you know goes with armand and stuff the people who i always thought would be like the best for each other would be louis and daniel because i'm just like Daniel seems the most grounded and like down to earth and not toxic. And then you got Louis. It's like you two need to be together, but it doesn't. It doesn't really happen. <laughs> I mean, it kind yeah. of. Kind of. <laughs> Sticking again within the book, it's like mm. 
Lestat complains a lot about Claudia and Louis and how yes. they are, and it's like, oh, you, yeah. you and your emotions, and you and your yeah. questions, and blah blah. Why yeah. are you doing this? And he wants to, he wants to make a brother for Claudia or a brother for himself. Or, yes, you know, he yeah. hangs out with Antoine and draws him along, and it's like, again, Lestat. Why don't you leave? Yeah, just uh, leave. Exactly. It's, it's on both sides. It's like, okay, go, go. Yeah, or we it's like, you're, each other, go. you have your dad who you clearly hate. Yeah. But you're here taking care of him. Yeah. Uh, right. So it's like. You didn't just let him die it, somewhere. You, it, you're still taking care of him. It's a pretty reasonable assumption to make that Lestat very much does not want to be alone. Oh, yeah. That yes. he wants the people he has chosen to be with him, regardless of how his feelings about them change later. Oh, yeah. Together, whether it's in hate or together, whether it's in love. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But together. Uh, and I think Louis, as a kind of mirror to that, is the same without that same reflection. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you know, he pities Lestat, he's angry with Lestat, he, you know, hates, he only has negative feelings towards him that he expresses mm-hmm. in the book. But again, 70 years yes. with this guy. And even though he doesn't help with the murder, he helps Claudia get rid of the body and whatnot. He certainly doesn't do anything uh, to impede it. No. no. <laughs> um, so, but, uh, not at all. But, you know, he, he doesn't leave Claudia for doing that, even though he's upset with her for doing it. Yeah. And then later on, when it's pretty clear that Armand had a big hand in orchestrating Claudia's removal, mm-hmm. um, he stays with Armand. Yeah. So I think it's pretty clear that Louis also does not want to be alone yeah. and that when he eventually does become so it's out of a sense of self-punishment exactly more oh, yeah. than a desire to be alone definitely that yeah. good old catholic penance yeah 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 it uh makes me think a lot of like abusive relationships yeah. Yeah. where you just go in the same relationships over and over and over because that's what you expect it to be or that's what you think you deserve to yes. be in it's a very kind of self-deprecative kind of track yeah, so we see that re- repetition over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty rough. Um, Louis is kind of a, a tr- yeah, it's very tragic character. Um, mm-hmm. For all of his whining, he is still very tragic. Um, I did want to switch the focus a little bit. I wanted to talk about uh, Claudia. Yes, um, Claudia. let's talk about her. Uh, my initial thoughts on her was uh, I had only seen the film and then I read the book recently and I was like hold the phone she's six years old mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yikes and I didn't know the backstory about why Anne Rice had like actually had lost a daughter and had based it off of her her past daughter and so that does give a lot more context but at the same time it's like oh my god can you imagine like a 30 year old stuck in a six year old's body oh yeah because that's what it turns into I mean, that would and be it's absolutely horrifying woof I mean I actually know a great deal about how the brain would work and I know that it's a lot of fantasy and stuff but it's like would her brain continue to develop or would it stay the same because if her brain doesn't develop she she would be aging 30 years but no she wouldn't be able to grasp like concept I mean uh, um, contextual and she wouldn't be able to think like philosophically I mean obviously it changes and she is but it's like I mean, yeah. as me, I'm early childhood major. I'm like, uh, there'd be a lot yeah. of things that we'd have to cover. Yeah. There can be a lot of debate just looking at how she is as a character because uh-huh. in some ways- how she handles things. Like, yeah. you know, I, I th- it would be impossible to live, you know, 30, 60 years in the same body and not change and develop in some ways. But I don't think she's a full adult in her no, brain either because- yeah. She's very impulsive, mm-hmm. and given how she was raised by Louis and Lestat, very spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell because, like, oh, I don't like Lestat anymore. 
let's murder him and run off yes, to Europe. That's a rational escalation. <laughs> there are thousands of other choices we yeah. could have done for this problem, but yes, murder yeah. is the one we go to. <laughs> yeah, and she's like um exceptionally manipulative to Louis. She does not yes. care for him in the way that uh, you know, an, an adult might, but the way a sociopathic child, because all children are sociopaths to some yes. level, um, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Well, it's, that, it's that egocentricity. Yeah. Yep. Or And like when she finds her replacement for Louis, um, Madeline, mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't see, you know, a woman grieving a child yeah. who would love to take care of her. She goes, oh, here's another person with trauma who I can yeah. manipulate to yes. love me forever. Who will attach right. themselves to me and who I can make both. I'm dependent on them, but they're also very dependent on me. Yeah. Yeah. And she, you know, sees the adult women, uh, the adult human women, and, you know, she's covetous of them. But instead of just like, you know, despairing from afar or talking about her feelings and, you know, coming to grips with the fact that, you know, that will never happen for you. Nope. She's like, like nope, I want it. So I kill it. Yeah, I, and I want it, it so into I, my bed. I possess it in the way that I can, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and that's so, yeah, so she's... sad because I mean that's all she knows. That's all she was raised with. Like you're, you grow up with murder and blood. You're that is going to be how you you know access Process. the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in in some ways, no, she she is old, but she is still a child. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The child rationale, but the kind of somewhat mentality of an older person, which is a scary combination. Because it's like the perfect equation for an actual sociopath. <laughs> I mean, and there, that's a really big reason why across, you know, different mythologies and different stories, you know, making someone into a vampire before their brain is fully developed is a big no-no. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. It, that'll go wrong for numerous reasons. Yeah. Well, that's kind of also a problem with the vampire Armand because mm-hmm. he is like a teenager when he was yeah. turned into a vampire. Yeah. Exactly. And they don't really touch on that in the first book. Yeah. I, from what I've gathered, like, is, that's young, addressed but a lot they don't, more. Yeah, they don't touch. And that is a whole nother. Yeah. That's a yeah. whole well, nother thing. We'll, we'll then we leave have that over there. About, <laughs> yeah, then we have to talk about Marius. And, yes. Uh, yeah. He is just the person that you hate. You, you can't, yeah. he's, there's not a lot to love with that bastard. Um, yeah, and that's all within the lore. But yeah, it's, I did not get that kind of vibe that he was that young, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. especially when my only reference point was the film, which is <laughs> Dream. <laughs> well, they, they say, not a 14 year old. They say in the books that his face is cherubic. He's got like yeah. Renaissance curls, long hair kind yeah. of thing, but he is Ginger, yeah. very young. Uh, yes. He is a, a young man. So again, it kind of like, saying that he's Lestat with like 400 years behind him, uh, given his age, that can kind of explain, again, his cruelty. Oh, yeah. His, his willingness to, you know, what he does to Louis and Claudia, what he does to Lestat. Yeah. And just his ambivalence whenever he sees weakness, he's like, okay, go fucking die then. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I have no use for you anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you yeah. know his backstory, you know he's been like through hell. Even like his, his mortal time leading up to his vampiric time was just just so so tragic and so traumatic and um but yeah very very interesting and i just remember reading that and going well no wonder he's that shit crazy <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah. wonder yeah again lots of trauma mm-hmm. folks yeah. lots of trauma and again like louis and lestat he does not want to be alone he's surrounded by this theater of vampires but once he's but and they they kind of want him around they kind of don't it's yeah. a kind of unclear and ambiguous about how much mm-hmm. of a leader he actually is. Yeah. Kind of thing. Do they call him their leader because they want someone to be? Or is he their actual, like, you know, iron fist right. leader? 
But it's clear that as soon as he gets someone that he thinks can devote their attention just to him, mm-hmm. that he's like, all right, I'm done with them. Do and what also, you want. I guess it's also a thing. matter of like, he's bored with that type of vampire. He's yeah. like, he has That's all these new people, toy. but he doesn't, they're not interesting. They're not new. They don't bring anything new to the table. It's like, okay, kill hedonism, kill, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. It's like, there's nothing new here. And then he sees this sad, very human you know, vampire that wants to like hold on to things that other vampires would find meaningless. And he's like, oh, okay, that's new. You're different. That will help me, you know, get out of this really bad rut, if that's what we're going to call it. (laughs) Yeah, it does seem like he uses that as a rationale of like, you're unlike any vampire I've I've met before because you still are holding on to your humanity. Mm -hmm. And that is a really big factor for Louis's character. And the the big turning point for Louis is when he creates a new vampire with Madeline. And then he's like that you know the what died in that room is not the woman but my the last shred of humanity that i had cuz i promised i would never like stoop to that level and do that yeah. and then it just kind of killed his last little strand of hope to be human and i mean which is yeah. pretty sad claudia didn't just push him to do it was also armand like two selfish yeah. people wanting to go about manipulate yeah. so <laughs> what manipulative what yes. he's with manipulative manipulative people but That's in a so way shocking. it's also it was a selfish thing of louis to do too because it's like this is my way of severing ties with her to get out without feeling yeah. guilty but he's gonna feel guilty no matter what Yeah, he was kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, which was somewhat self-imposed, but at the same time, again, being manipulated from multiple angles and already being kind of a broken kind of character and not knowing how to handle that situation does not help either. And again, you know, you you touched on it, like the the vampiric theme we see throughout this is loneliness. Like when you're Mm -hmm. immortal... You're, you're passing by these waves of lives and stuff like that. And you can like, you can touch them and they just pass by, but you're trying to find something you can hold on to for like more than just a fleeting moment. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's one of the central themes in this is just finding mortality in immortality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Julie, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just uh, curious, like, you know, Louis is... He's easily manipulated without doing much manipulating himself in return. And so I was just yeah. like curious when we're talking about how both Claudia and Armand manipulated him into making Madeline and it's like, you know, what choice does he re- did he really have in that moment? Because again, the only real choice he makes is when he burns down the theater. He mm-hmm. doesn't really have yeah. a choice in that instance. And it's like, what would have happened if he had made a choice and didn't turn Madeline? Like how long would it have been before Claudia decided to kill yeah, louis instead him. yeah, yeah. Or armand, like that was even gun. yeah i feel like yeah it was either claudia would try to kill louis and then armand would intervene or armand would just hurry up that trial thing a little yeah faster. yeah or armand would grow bored and just kill them both yeah. i mean it he's his uh, emotions seem to be pretty fleeting yes yeah. exactly so yeah, it, it it I don't know if the outcome would have been all that different as far as what would have happened to Claudia, I think, unless, you know, she killed Louis first and then jumped ship, but I feel like I think it would still be really sad and depressing no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a really light read. I highly recommend it. No, <laughs> That's very dense. Uh, it is dense in some oh, yeah. parts uh, like yeah. i said because it's a capital g capital r gothic romance with yeah. all the emotions uh-huh. some of those some of the parts are just like you know Wah! and it's like yeah. come on already oh, okay. <laughs> oh man that's that's one of my biggest beefs with that it's just like uh-huh 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 what's happening get let's get to some yeah. action what's going on yeah yeah they're uh 
Yeah. There's a lot of a uh, kind of waxing prose of how sad is my life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of that in there. I will say I listened to the audiobook, and I've already told Julie this many times, but the, the particular gentleman who read the audiobook I listened to tried to do a French accent and did not do a good job. Aww. And I had to put it down and pick it back up like six times because I just could not stand his Aww, voice. So and so I was like, I will get through this guy. Damn it. I will. <laughs> so that was also not really great Aww. experience for me. Some really, really cool parts in it. Yeah, but... and some of the prose is very pretty and very yeah. and very striking. And then sometimes it just it kind of draws into itself and you're just like, okay, all right, let's continue. Next. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I feel like every book kind of has yes. their points of your like, now we're just pontificating. It's like, I give me just the facts, ma'am. Yeah. Like, I just <laughs> sometimes I don't need all of that flourish, yes. even though some people live for exactly. it. Exactly. It might just be a taste thing. Not always that person. <laughs> yes, it might just be a taste thing. There might be some people who are like, oh, man, I love those. Like, <laughs> yeah, not my thing. Yeah. No, it's like, you eat it up as a teenager because you're all emotions too. Yes. As, as an adult God, going back yeah. and reading this, like, you know, God damn. <laughs> I know. Well, that's a good question for you both. So you both read it when you were in your young adolescent years. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't read it until like this year. Yes. So how does it compare now that you're older and are going back and like kind of revisiting this? Like, I, I guess a little bit more like, oh, my God, just cry me a river. Why don't you? Like, that's kind of the vibe yep. <laughs> I'm getting. Is there anything else that kind of stood out for that? Well, in some ways, it's it's different because now that we're rereading it, having read like um, in Mary's case, most well, the of the universe series and in my case, yeah. all of it, like I know who all these characters are and what their motivations and what actually happened mm-hmm. and what Louis is lying about or lying to himself about. Um, mm-hmm. So there is that. It's not like a totally new exper- um, re-experiencing of it. Um, right. That being said, I can see what appealed to myself as a teenager and I see what's changed about myself since I was a teenager. <laughs> Hopefully good things. Hopefully good things. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> And just that if I came to this when I was older, like possibly college or later, I probably would not have enjoyed it as much. I still enjoyed it. I enjoy the lore and the stories that go with it. But a lot of these vampires in it are all just like, you know, tragic gothic romance. (laughs) Full of emotions. They have to express. (gasps) And who are also... Uh, unchained from humanity so they are cruel and mm, capricious yeah. and manipulative and yeah. so horrible to each other and to others even the ones yeah. they claim to love mm-hmm. um that in some yeah. ways that's a good thing to read so you recognize it but yeah yeah definitely not what a manipulation thing looks like to idolize <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i would love to see one of those like a therapist reacts to like oh yeah <laughs> how they feel about the dynamics yes like all unhealthy (laughs) yeah yeah which makes me kind of wonder like i didn't dive much into anne rice um besides just knowing about her daughter passing away but i'm curious is like does anne rice have a lot of issue with like manipulative relationships and this was like her coping mechanism or did she know a lot of people who were in this position or did she just write what she thought manipulation was and this is how it got translated i'm very curious i haven't actually done any diving in on that speaking as kind of like a uh, of her works overall not just the vampire chronicles but yeah. other stuff of hers because I've, right. I've read some of her other things yeah. um, and knowing what i know of her life her life um she hasn't said much about her personal life yeah 
I know that she had a son after her daughter. I know that she mm-hmm. uh, was married to her husband until he died uh, about yeah. a decade or so before she did. And, you know, not, she never said anything about anything happening in their relationship. She, you yeah. know, said Lestat was the analog for him, but only in a positive way and not in a he treated me like, right. like Lestat. Right. Treats yeah. Louis he was kind not of abusive yeah. like Lestat. <laughs> um, Thank God. Yes. <laughs> so we, I don't think we can truthfully or in good conscience reflect on her personal experiences in regards to her own relationships in that way. But the theme of manipulation and being taken advantage of by others and cruelty done to others is a theme that pops up in a lot of her works. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm not surprised. So I think that even if it's not something she's personally experienced with, it is a relationship she might be fascinated by and likes to explore in her writings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems to be a a big inspiration for a lot of her works is the kind of vibe, which I would hope is not because this is like personal trauma she's working (laughs) through. And I hope if that is the case that she got the chance to work through some of it before she passed. But yeah, it it is interesting that the the biggest drive in the entire story is lack of dealing with your trauma Mm -hmm. (laughs) is pretty much the entire book. And I'm, I'm getting that kind of sense with a lot of the other books too yeah and, so and that's, throughout her yeah. books too a theme that i saw go in and out and in and out was religion because she would kind of yeah. go she would kind of go in and out and in and out of like framing it in a good way framing it in a terrible yeah. way framing it in a good way and so i'd read one book and be like okay so she was kind of feeling okay on it in this book and then i'd read another book and go okay she did not like okay. it here um, we're, and so, we're off the fence. But, I mean, I, I get it. I get it because you know it's kind of this thing that you lose and find faith and lose and find faith. So, it, but that is definitely a theme that I noticed as I was reading some of the books. I'm just like, oh, okay, all right. When she converted back to Catholicism, or just converted to Catholic, so she left Catholicism and then converted back. And it sounds like she wrote some interesting, yeah, <laughs> stat uh, stories yeah. after that co- yeah, second conversion. Ma- Mary, did you ever read Blood Canticle? I read parts of it. <laughs> yeah. So that came uh, just in the broader context of the vampire universe. That came yeah. uh, was the last book of the original Vampire Chronicles and came right after her big religious conversion back to Catholicism. And the mm-hmm. opening pages are Lestat saying he's good now and wants to be a saint. <laughs> Must be a saint because, you know, reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, <woof>. <laughs> <laughs> no reason behind that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, interesting turn. Uh, I've heard enough from Julie to be like, I could just not read that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, so kind of getting into like going back and rereading how do you feel about it. It's kind of like thinking about going back and watching Game of Thrones. No matter <laughs> yeah. how good those earlier seasons are. You know are, where it's going to go. You know where it's going. <laughs> yes. And you don't want to yeah. invest that kind of and time into it again. <sighs> yeah, there are so, some, isn't that true? Yeah, there are some parts of the books that you're like, yay, I love this part. And then there's some parts like, oh, yeah, the, the aliens. Yeah. There are aliens. <laughs> There's aliens. I forgot yeah. about the aliens. Yeah, it's so. like the- yeah folks. Wild ride, I told you. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah, that's wild. So as much as I love, you know, Interview with the Vampire, the Vampire Lestat, the Vampire Armand, you know, yes. Blood and Gold, the Marius book, it's like just thinking about Blood Canticle and yeah. where that goes. And also with the new vampire <laughs> books that came out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, God, it's like, I could stop early and not finish it. But then what's the point of not finishing what's something? The point? And, and, and that, that to <laughs> yeah. me has what I've been seeing, because I, I interact with a lot of different fans, has been the overarching theme. It's like, some of it's great. And some of it's, <laughs> and some of it's shite. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pick from yeah. it what you can. And, and all I can say is yeah. from what I've gleaned, and then this is just my opinion. I know everyone has different opinions from the show. It seems like they are kind of 
going to filter in some stuff and filter in other stuff. So, well, yeah, yeah we'll talk about the show when we get to it. But yeah. I will yeah, say that there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> everything that I just said about you know the series and where it goes and my feelings towards it are kind of why I kind of gave a wishy washy <laughs> response to what do I prefer? Because it's like, well. You know, Depends on what we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I like this book, what but I know where it goes. The, so. yeah. the beginning, gold. Yes. Yeah. The end, iffy. Yeah. It's like, it's a long and woo ride to the end. That's yeah. that's the vibe I've gotten. And um, Julie already kind of knows this, but the kind of some of the, the topics that I've touched in the past, it's like, we did this, so you didn't have to. And that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting <laughs> from you, from mostly Julie and also from you, yes. Mary. So thank you for doing our work for us. Oh, no. <laughs> Experiencing if, it. If you want to do like, we did this because you don't have to, then we'll do like a Queen of the Damned episode. Oh, <laughs> oh Julie, be careful what you wish for, Julie. <laughs> Lord. Oh, that's on the list for sure. I, I haven't seen that in a hot second. Great. It's a great soundtrack. The soundtrack is great. I have not seen that in a very long it's time. So like I what was described in the book. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> they just literally oh like okay. Like, we're, we're the title's it. the yeah. same. Yeah, we'll, we'll, like, we'll get into <laughs> it when we get into that episode. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> woof is all it's I'll just say. Like, woof, you want to enter the writers' room and be like, what? What? Who did this? Yeah. Which one of you bastards thought that this? Yeah. Who got paid for this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's there's many of those out there, yeah. I tell you. Uh, all right. Well, any final thoughts on the book before we can transition? I know we've got a lot to cover in the adaptation section. Yeah. So I'm, any I'm thoughts good. before we shift? Do you have any thoughts, right. Aaron? Yeah. You know, everything that I keep thinking of, because I'm not as versed in the lore, I keep thinking of all the comparisons and the film, because that's what I've seen the most <laughs> yeah. of. So I'm, I feel like I will not have as much to contribute until later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, let's bounce into it. So, Miss Julie, I'm going to pick on you yes. if you could give us a synopsis. And I don't know if you want to give a synopsis of the show and the film. Like, I'll, I'll just leave it to you on how you want to present this because there's two pieces yes. to this section. How, so about, take it away. how about we take each piece separately? Um, we'll talk okay, about the movie yeah. and then we'll talk about the TV series. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we'll go chronologically. It. So, uh, <laughs> Interview with the Vampire, uh, the 1994 film. I'll just, uh, to keep it succinct, since Mary described the story pretty succinctly with the book, uh, I'll just say what it says for the synopsis here. A vampire yeah. tells his epic life story, love, betrayal, loneliness, and hunger. Ooh. And murder. <laughs> and murder, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a given. Vampires. <laughs> that's it. Yep. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Beautiful. Yeah, because Mary did like gold star review of literally everything. A plus for you, kid. Uh, All right. Well, let's talk about the film. Like, I know that there were a lot of kind of true themes that they kept in the film. Um, Curious to see your thoughts on, again, like it sounds like the kind of common denominators. We all saw the film first. Mm -hmm. So did you kind of know what you were getting into when you first saw it? Mary, it sounds like you kind of just stumbled upon it. Yes. Julie, did you same? Uh, my mom showed it to me. Um, Your mom did? Yeah, That's her. so surprising. Good job, mom. Good job, mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she showed me Silence of the Lambs when I was like nine or ten, so are you really surprised? Uh, your mom's the best. Julie's mom, you're the best. <laughs> Your mom's name is Karen, right? Yeah. Karen, you're the best. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, she showed it to me when I was about like 13, 14, uh, and I watched it, and we had to take a break because we started it too late in the evening to finish it, so we've like yeah. wrapped up right around when they met Armand, and then I had to wait oh, a whole day. Yeah. Armand. Uh, oh, yes. But, God bless. Like, 
you know, um, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas, they're more our mother's generation of, like, heartthrobs. Yeah. Um, and yes. so I had never quite got why anyone liked these guys. Like, sure, I guess they're okay looking, but whatever. It wasn't until I saw this movie that I was like, okay. Ooh. I get it now. <laughs> Ha-cha-cha-cha-cha. All three yeah. Oh, my God. God. Antonio Banderas, um, with that, like he was still very early in his American cinema career. Yeah. So he his accent was still really thick at that point. Yeah. Oh my God. And I feel I feel like just it added, read the phone book. Yeah, I feel like it added to it. I feel like I feel <laughs> it like added so much. Oh my god, with the wigs and the nails and the beautiful contacts and like aesthetically the film is beyond gorgeous yes and i just i'm a real big sucker for time period pieces yeah. and they did such a stellar job and ugh, that chef's kiss like it's beautifully filmed and the costuming is just like drool yeah uh, mary i don't know if you know but julie and i are into cosplay oh. and so anytime we see pretty costuming i'm like oh my god julie like, <laughs> chef's kiss <laughs> yes it's just stunning and i love the context is like really add and then the beautiful aesthetic of like very beautiful man faces <laughs> with excellent cheekbones mm-hmm. like it's it's pretty great. It yeah. is definitely in the uh, the gothic romance, like, visage, which I love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's got all those close-up shots and just, like, the soft lighting every now and again. Pouchy lips. Of, yeah. The score was <laughs> also very good. The score is very beautiful, yeah. yes. And, it's like, every person in it has, like, very a beautiful pretty. shot. Yeah, there isn't an ugly person in it. Even if it's, like, an evil character who you hate beginning to end, they mm-hmm. look gorgeous in it. Like, even oh, Santiago, who is, like, the the bad, bad vampire. Still stunning. Still very pretty. Like, Stephen yeah. Ray is like, my God. <laughs> I've never thought you're a beautiful person, but you look beautiful right? in this movie. <laughs> I know. Well, and it's like, it helps a lot with the aesthetic that they really kind of deadened their color. Yeah. So they all look very pale, almost like, not not to the point of like kabuki, but like very, very pale, almost like a blue light. So they just look like porcelain. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it's... Mm, it's such a cool aesthetic and also they kind of I mean we're, we're going to compare a little bit but in the book they kind of mentioned that they stick to the shadows and don't let people really see them because they are so starkly pale yes. that it just scares people so that was like the closest they could get without making them look albino which I appreciated that they didn't look like just walking dead bodies yeah. but beautiful style choice mm-hmm. I just cannot gush about that enough yeah so the only real like you know major difference to them was like their pale pale skin their uh, fingernails which you see throughout the film are beautiful, beautiful and long and pointed very long and their eyes yeah. everyone has some form of contact um like brad pitt's got the the bright green eyes beautiful, um tom beautiful cruise has eyes. the blue which you know when they're direct shot in the frame oh my god do they stand out but like you know if he's I off louis had blue eyes no louis has green yeah, the green is uh, a big thing. Lestat oh, has okay. blue. Yeah. Um, okay. And Claudia had the brown. My mistake. And Armand has brown. <laughs> no, no, Claudia Got has it. blue eyes. Never mind. Yeah. Um, but, okay, uh, it changes color in the, the next adaptation. Yeah, and Lestat. Ah, that's right. Lestat has the blue eyes, but and it, like when you look at him direct on, yeah, they're very blue, like electric blue. But whenever he's like, you know, kind of like away from the camera and you just kind of see him pacing around, they don't stand out as much, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Like when you yeah. have the vampire's attention, you see yeah. it. And yes. when it's not, that he could pass for normal. Mm-hmm. And they also do a fun little thing. I, it took me a couple watches to see it. But they actually, when they get into, like, their vampire, like, ragey mode, mm-hmm. their eyes, they, they 
I think they enhance the color because mm-hmm. they really pop and it's a very stark contrast where it's like they're already kind of like, ooh, something's a little off when you look at them, but then when they get fiery. Yeah, it, and maybe it, it's color, technical or maybe it's bright. like after effects, but yeah, it's it's yeah. it's such a cool effect though because it really mm-hmm. is – they do glow. It's like very striking and oh, God bless it's so good. Also, I really love early Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like <laughs> – God, yeah. Early Brad Pitt is gem. And amazingly, Tom Cruise is not being Tom Cruise in that, which I was actually okay <laughs> I, with. I know. It's, it's movies like this that remind you that, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tom he Cruise actually is kind a of a good actor. actor. Yeah. You know, I remember it bowled me over because I'm like, this is Tom fucking Cruise. Like, what's right. he doing? He's the action like, star. Yeah, yeah. What's he doing playing little romantic Lestat, dancing around? Making goo goo eyes at Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the movie poster here, it's like Tom Cruise is the first name above the movie. Tom Cruise interviewed right. the vampire. His face is the main face of it. Brad Pitt and Louie are like the main character, main actor. Character, but it's Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Even <laughs> the because yeah. uh, he the, was way bigger at this. Yeah, point. even the Blu-ray DVD I recently got because I had uh, I lost my uh, original DVD. Tom Cruise is on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the one yeah. vampire on it. So it's it's just very yeah. interesting. But yeah, he got top billing with this, even though he's in it for half of it. He's a sidekick. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I still remember though, like after I read the book and after I learned more about the characters, I still remember going. So they read, you know, little 16-year-old redhead boy as Antonio Banderas in a share wig. And I'm just <laughs> turned like, him into like, Antonio I'm Banderas. I'm like, how did that translate? Not that Antonio Banderas didn't do a great job. He did a great job. But I'm just like, yeah. how, uh, how'd you get that? <laughs> very, uh, very uh, creative liberties were taken yeah. there. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to have questions about creative liberties when it comes to uh, the show. race yes. and background for yes. all characters when it comes to the show. And another great acting pick they chose for the movie was Claudia or oh my God, Kirsten yeah. Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Who, oh my God. She was 12 when it was released. She was probably like nine or 10 while filming. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, is a good choice. Incredible. You don't want to like cast too, too young because one, she's going to change too much <laughs> throughout yeah. filming. And two, you need yeah. someone who has the acting ability has the to pull off yeah. like, like an old soul in a young body. The stuff she did, the the lines, like like her performance was amazing. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. She, I honestly, I think she was probably one of my favorite actors in that film. Yeah, and I like, and she's the youngest by far. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it was incredible. And she could really good. Performance. She could pull off like you know the sweet and charming child, and in the next second, manipulative cold Be demon. Crazy. Yeah. 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 I think one of the craziest scenes again, which is probably one of the most. Mm, We'll say graphic, I guess, is the the when they plan to kill Lestat, mm-hmm. and so she brings in the two twins, and they're drunk on brandy wine, and then it turns out that she laced their their bodies with uh, arsenic and laudanum, or laudanum, mm-hmm. and so that whole scene is like. Oh, I'm like, I'm sorry we fought. Let's make up. I brought you a present. And she's like so sweet about it. And then the the shift of when she kind of like drops the penny of what happened. Yeah. And then she's the one that slits his throat. And it's just, damn, that scene is nuts. Uh-huh. And Julie, you said an interesting thing about Lestat's body in that scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. The, it's not actually a human, it, right? It's yeah, as a, soon as he is like half laying on the floor, that is no longer Tom Cruise. That is a robot. 
Wow. Uh, created. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It's pretty incredible because mm-hmm. it looks like it doesn't look real, but it doesn't look animatronic yeah. either. Yeah. Like they did a really good job with the practical were really effects. really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And another one of my yeah. favorite scenes was like, you know, the, the famous one in the Theatre de Vampire when you know, that, that girl gets taken and it's like this whole performance. Oh, the, yeah, the yeah. entire time I watched it, I was like, I want that to be me. I <laughs> that girl. Yeah. That's like the woman in the audience like, please take yeah. me. I adore yeah. you. It's like, you wait your but turn. That's, <laughs> but that's like not what they want. You know, they're no. like, we no. want a little fight. We yeah. want a little sadness and stuff like that. So it'd be like, oh, no, she's too yeah. into it. <laughs> that scene yeah, so for those who have not seen the film and you're still with us, good for you. <laughs> uh, but the, the the scene is like he go they go to Paris and then there's an actual theater that is all run by vampires and it's supposed to be a kind of horror show yeah. about vampires. But what the viewers don't know is that it really is truly vampires murdering people yeah. in on stage vampires pretending to be humans pretending to be to vampires. be pretending to be vampires yes. yeah it's so twisted and so mad genius and it's a the way that the, the I was actually really excited because again I saw the film first so reading the book I was like ooh I wonder if they're gonna stay true to this and they did a really good job of in, in capturing yeah. the vibe and the overall kind of aesthetic of what that ha- what happened to that in the book and I really really I mean it was uncomfortable as hell oh, yeah. but it was really well put together suppo- it's, it's kind of so creepy kind of interesting you know you're supposed to be like oh man this is really dark okay let's let's find yeah. out what else is going on it kind of highlights the divorce there is between vampire and human yeah that they're yeah. so far removed that they could do this to a human in front of others and put and get and away pass with it, it off as entertainment <laughs> and not have a care for how she yeah. is perceiving this like they're not just up there killing her they're up there like you know toying with her like manipulating uh, yeah they're talking to her as a character of death like you know why should we spare you why should we have to go after someone else you know what has someone else done that you deserve to live and they deserve to die you know and if you're gonna die any and if you're gonna die when you're older why not kill you now if you're gonna die anyway you know right just putting it out now yeah it's such a wild thing and also like what julie and i were kind of talking off off uh screen but it Sounds like it's actually based on historically accurate, um, not not exactly accurate, but a- there were actual theaters that were this kind of a premise where it was kind of the early stages of like Penny Dreadfuls yeah, and stuff definitely. like that, where horror they actually theater. had horror theater mm-hmm. that was around like the kind of macabre and it was really big in this, I think that was like mid 18th century. Mm-hmm. Or maybe uh, mid 19th century, yeah, 1800s, 19th century, yeah, yeah. There we go, and so yeah, it just it's fascinating because it's like the theme of horror, and you see kind of that representation where it's just like you know you look at today's kind of like true crime lovers and yeah. stuff like that, and like Julie and I are very big cult lovers <laughs> <laughs> and true crime podcasters, uh. so it's like that was like early day version of that, which was just fascinating and creepy especially when you think of like oh well it's just a performance but then in the background you're like oh my god this isn't real and everybody is like oh wow that's really good effects yeah. it's like no oh, shit that's exactly. real like it's, and i think that oh that it's so creepy thing you know like the audience is like so into it and they're like oh man this is great but she's actually you know it's terrifying yeah. to think of like you think it's a play and and you're like watching <laughs> a murder happen in front yeah. of you and you're like wow what great effects yeah. it's like wow she's really giving it her all wow she's yeah she's, she's really really good stage. at her performance weird that she only does it one night never again yeah, yeah. i guess just, like, yeah. <laughs> one and done <laughs> yeah that intense intense scene and i feel like there was a lot more 
I think just because it was more of a visual medium, yeah. that scene in the film really just hit harder than in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, re- reading it is one thing, but yeah, seeing it, it's like wowzers. Yeah. That, yeah, that banana scene. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great, great way to do that. But yeah, do you have any other thoughts on the film? I can say when I watched it as a teenager, I loved it so much more. And it's not that I'm saying I dislike it now because I still enjoy it. But now mm-hmm. I watch it and I'm like, oh, this is a little bit more campy than I remember it being. Oh, the deliveries are a little bit eh. Um, yeah. But I still love it. But when I was a teenager, man, I ate it up from start to finish. I was like, oh, man. But uh, I got to say, now I'm a little bit disillusioned with it, but I still very much like it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Julie, what were your thoughts? Oh, no, same thing. You heard me when we were watching it the other yeah. night. <laughs> it's like when I was a teenager, loved it. Like, ate, ate, it, ate it all up with a spoon. Yeah. Uh, could not get enough of it. If you teased me while I was watching it, I hated you forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> watching it with uh, Aaron and Spencer and Keith this last weekend, yeah, it was like, you know, oh, my God, Louie, you're such a dramatic bitch. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. The drama. The drama. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my, like – cringy favorite things yes. is like Louis is all like oh it's so sad it's just me being a sad sad sourpuss all the time and then <laughs> Lestat's Help! like shut up Louis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm burning down my house you thought you could have it all oh shut up Louis yeah it's I mean they did a, a really good job of portraying the like uber drama yes. drama yes. drama boys all the time and I, d- I do appreciate that they really got the tone of like I'm Mopey McMoperson moping around in my mobile. <laughs> Well, and I mean, if you think he was moping, it was because Brad Pitt literally hated his role. He literally did not want to be Louis. He hated his role. Did he? No, oh, apparently Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt hated each other. While yeah, they did this. not. Yeah. They did not like each other. Well, that worked out perfectly. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say. <laughs> that's why you've never seen them in a film together again. Yeah, this. apparently Brad Pitt really? stank and stuff like that. Poor personal hygiene, like literally. And you know, really? it's like there was there was there was a lack of chemistry between those two. Yeah. Some tension. So they made, you, you, they made you can't right. tell on film. Yeah, I was gonna I say mean, they made God. it work. They made it yeah. work. But that that sorrow, that misery you see on Brad Pitt is real. He does not <laughs> real misery. Yeah. Well, because they did it for the art. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what it was like. <laughs> well, it's like, and I mean, I mean, Tom Cruise. My God, he was so great because, like, you know, after. Uh, Louis, you know, has like, you know, drank from Claudia and he's there despairing about what has yeah. he done? He's having this moment of like, like what, yeah. what am I? It's like, I'm embracing my nature as a vampire. And Lestat goes, hooray, it's a time for celebration. He picks up the dead mother of Claudia yeah. and just, just starts like dancing dance around, around the room. He's finally drinking a human. I've got him to stop drinking rats. Thank God. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. I know. Yeah. And that, you, Julie, you were saying that that actually wasn't scripted. Nope, that was right? a totally ad lib moment from Tom Cruise, which just mean like, reminds you again. My God, Tom Cruise can act when he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not worried about the Scientology bit. He's actually not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) There's a topic. Like, there is a reason he's cast in so many things, and it's because he can actually be a good actor when he wants to be. Uh, Well, now it's just him being Tom Cruise in a new movie about him. Yeah, when you get to be, like, a a certain actor and you've been typecast so much, you can just coast by, yeah. Uh, it's like Nicolas Cage. He can't act, but sometimes people just want Nicolas Cage in the movie. Yep. <laughs> it's like, but we just so need you to scream it. and look crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yep. He nails that almost every time. Yeah. So sometimes you want Tom Cruise because he's a good actor, but sometimes you just want Tom Cruise because you need an action hero. Yeah. So, this is true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really speak enough about how, like, the stellar casting, even if apparently they did not like yes. each other, you just couldn't tell. And then, again, costuming was just, I, like, drool oh, over the costuming. Yeah. That is one of my favorite, that and, like, Elizabethan are, like, my two kind of, like, favorite eras. And it was kind of fun because they they show a really long period yeah. of time and their clothing changes with whatever, you know, yeah. year they're in. And it they, they're around for a while, so you see quite a big shift, mm. especially when they get to Paris. I think my favorite outfit was Claudia's little Theatre de Vampire outfit with her pretty little dress I and know. her hair done up. I loved that outfit. I thought it was Yeah, so yeah. The, I mean, it. God bless. It's just really, really beautiful aesthetic for the entire film. And it, it definitely captured that gothic theme. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, beautiful men making goo-goo eyes at each other the whole time. So there's your gothic romance. <laughs> yeah, it was up, it was perfect. I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Checked all that. There were several minutes where they get real close in the face. You're like, now kiss. And <laughs> uh, you get your little fingers, you pause it, and you're like, put your fingers like, I'm just gonna. <laughs> I know. There's especially that scene with Antonio Banderas oh. and Brad Pitt towards the very end after I think it's like right before Claudia dies or right, right after. after Claudia yeah. dies. Right after. And it's yeah. like, kiss, no kiss. I feel like that was kind of their lack of the tower scene because the tower scene with Armand was one of my favorites and they didn't have it. But yeah. Yeah. Was, it was one of my favorites. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I forgot about the tower scene. It's yeah, such that's a in the good book. scene. But anyway, that goes yeah. back to the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, let's bounce over to the show. Woo! So, do you want to give a, a synopsis on that really quick, Julie, or do you want to just dive in? What do you? What are you? Well, feeling? I'll give a brief synopsis because it's a little different. Uh, it is not, a different. Not to, yeah. to, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves with comparison, but. The TV show Anne Rice's interview with the vampire, based on the iconic novel, follows Louis de Pointe du Lac, um, who is a young black man in turn of the 20th century America, who is trying to find his way in New Orleans, and he is uh, when he stumbles upon the mysterious and dark Lestat de Lyoncourt. Okay. <laughs> that's yep, it. That's it. And I, I, I made you say all of the really hard French names, so bless yeah. you. Because <laughs> <Gesundheit. laughs> Uh yeah, so huge shift. Uh the time yes. has changed. Yes. And also our our main character is actually African American. Mm-hmm. It is not a white dude in early Which I gotta say French by yeah, you. <laughs> gotta say, him not being a plantation owner, I'm not fussed about that. No, nope. <laughs> I'm not yeah. fussed. <laughs> Yep, he uh, he owns brothels yep. instead in the Red District, or the Red Quarter, and uh, so very very different vibe. So this just came out. I mean, this this released in like what October? Uh, yeah. October? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it has not been out for that long. Um, what were your guys's like? You guys are both pretty diehard with this universe. So what were your kind of initial thoughts on like because it was coming at episode one at a time so there was a lot of time to kind of sit and ponder like where is this going so what were your thoughts on that well to kind of just give a brief synopsis uh is that this even though titled interview with the vampire it is a tv series we're only in season one there's only seven episodes we end with the death of lestat yeah so it's like halfway through halfway through the story we know from the movie and from the book Mm -hmm. so there is that to deal with so i'm reserving judgment until we quote unquote complete the story wherever it's going to end um yeah so i'll just preface it with that but mary you can go first with your opinion because i did it with the the movie first oh man oh yeah yeah, i have have so much to say i have so much to say (laughs) Okay, Um, I guess first I'll just talk first about the changes in the core story um, and just what Julie was touching on. And this is something I learned recently through the podcast. Um, They were originally going to make this 
the interview with the vampire just be the first season like all of the the plot of interview with the vampire was just going to be the first season and then okay. due to prices and then due to covid and the plot had to be rewritten and stretched out and i feel like that oh, actually ultimately okay. benefited the story because we got way more characterization we got way more interesting yeah. plots and so i don't complain about that um but like you said it's like i'm very interested in seeing how they're going to stretch the second arc of the book and what they're going to do. And then also the changes with, obviously, time period and Louis. And, you know, we obviously get the lovely group of people on the internet who are just like, they're making it woke, and they're doing this, and how dare they? It's like, (laughs) you need to chill (laughs) your beans. It's like, there are so (laughs) many vampire stories with a bunch of fucking white people. It's like, we need... It's fine. We need some diversity, folks. We we (laughs) could definitely benefit from not only a black main character vampire, a black gay van, um, um, vampire who does not who, who goes against toxic masculinity and stuff like that and i gotta say you were talking it was either you or julie you're talking about louis being a little bit one note and one of my biggest praises to this show is that they try to give louis a little bit more depth a little bit more bite more agency yeah and a little yeah. bit more fuck you like he literally is like yeah. fuck yeah. off man like when, when he's being yeah so i really love that and um so that changes so they've changed louis personality a little bit and as you guys know, the thing that they kept true to the story was Paul. And I was so happy to see that because I loved that. I mean, it sounds bad to say I love that tragedy, but I, I thought that that was important. Uh, so the time period, too, because that's the biggest challenge, guys. They don't want to just regurgitate the same story again and again and again. They want to make something new. They want to make something fresh. So while it is a big change and there's a lot they yeah. have to rush. So instead of 60 years, it's more like 30 years for the whole Claudia thing to happen. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the changes are a little rushed. And in some places, there's a lot... That, like, for instance, the season finale, I'm rushing a little ahead, but it didn't feel like a season finale. It felt like an episode and it didn't because, you know, it just I don't know. There were so many questions and there were so many things that I was like, what? They left a lot And hanging. a little bit that yeah. got rushed a little fast. You could kind of tell that there were a few things that got a little rushed, even though they had more space. But that's, yeah. you know, there are very few. I know I'm a little I can you can tell I'm a little biased. There are very few problems I have with this show and a lot of things that I really do love. And Lestat, and that was something I was going to bring up and something the the showrunner actually brings up. I have mixed feelings about the showrunner, but he brought up that this Lestat, because like you mentioned, Julie, this is not just Interview with the Vampire. This is going to be the first season as they go through the Vampire Chronicles. This is just not, this is not just Louis' Interview with the Vampire Lestat. This is Lestat. Mm-hmm. There's more layers. The Brett Prince. This is Lestat from the Vampire Lestat. So he's a lot more fleshed out and he's a lot more dynamic and not just this villain who... You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he is—he is, he is a villain, manipulative. He is a villain. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, undoubtedly. He, but uh, so that's another change is that they really did try to give him a little bit more depth as well, and also obviously Claudia changed in both race and age, and I have no complaints about either because i think it just made a little more sense i just could not get behind the whole six-year-old thing like once i found that in the book i was like like i especially when it started to kind of get into the whole like they're not romantically involved but they 
kind of are, but they kind of yeah. aren't. But he's like supposed to be tw- in his twenties, and she's six. Yeah. And it's like they kind of nip like that was... in the bud immediately in the show. As yeah, well, when she's like, no, yeah, he's more of a father figure. Yeah, she doesn't just call him Louis; she calls him Papa Louis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then Uncle Les, which is which perfect. Is cute. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. I really I like it. And um, there's. There's one or two scenes that I was just like, like, for instance, what happens with, and we can get into further episodes later, but there's something that happens with Claudia. And I did not think it furthered the plot. I thought it was weirdly done and very jarring because so many of the episodes flow so well. But there's just something that happens. Is this the university scene? Yeah, scenes? the university scene. Yeah. There's just that that happens. And yeah. I'm just like, and then when I heard the showrunner explain, it's like, oh, she's come back and she's tougher now. I'm like, yay for another male director using rape as right. a, a growth That device. makes you stronger. It's like, okay. Yeah. All right. They, in their defense, they did it yeah. in a tasteful way. It wasn't glamorized. It wasn't like Game of Thrones. You know, it was something that's just like, you know what happened. You you got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's one of my beefs. Um, but I could talk way more. I'll let Julie get into it in a minute. But those are my those are my immediate <laughs> things where I'm like, I love it. I like the change on the music and the cinematography. Yeah. And I know that you guys mentioned, you know, with the costumes, the costumes are so good. Beautiful. And, um, yeah, and, uh, Jacob Anderson does an amazing job. Uh, Sam Reed is possessed. It's an ongoing joke that he is possessed by Lestat um, because seriously, yeah, he kind of just is incredible yeah. performance from yeah. him. I was blown away. I had never seen him in anything else before. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, he's Australian. Yes, he's Australian. You would never know. Yeah. His accent is beautiful. Yeah. Like you would never know. And I don't know if he spoke French before the show, but you really can't tell. Beautiful performance from him. I really, really liked how they and, picked uh, him. Their and chemi- Louis as yeah, well. Their chemistry, their chemistry reads were via like Skype. And I'm just like, yeah. wow. That, that That's must amazing. Have been very interesting. Um, but I'll let if you beautiful. or Julie would like to touch on what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. Julie, we're back at you. Well, um, it kind of reminds me a lot of the show Hannibal where Ooh, it's yeah, totally. something that's based on a series of books and instead of like telling it chronologically like again comparison game of thrones where season one is book one season two book two etc cetera, etc cetera, what they did with hannibal was they took all the material kind of blended it all together and created mm-hmm. something new where it's like you recognize the notes like oh yes that came from that that came from yes. that that came from yeah. that same universe so like, slightly different trajectory if, so if you already knew the story you could get the elements and still enjoy it if you mm-hmm. didn't know the story you could still watch it and not give a fuck that you don't Experience know what's going it. on um and for yeah. some people who like you know love the source material they may hate that approach and i yeah. get it sometimes you want a true not adaptation for everybody. Yeah. in this case if right. you're upset about it watch the movie there you yeah. go there you um, go there you go. It's direct there. line. Yeah. But yeah. with this, it, yeah, they've weaved in a bunch of elements from the other books, mm-hmm. like Lestat's backstories um, that he tells, little uh, yeah. tidbits here and there. Like his maker yeah. and stuff like that. Anytime yeah. that happened, I was like, I would tell you, Aaron's like, oh my God, that's from this book. <laughs> yeah. I know. Julie was like my little guide because I was like, oh, that's different. And she's like, that's from another book. I'm like, sure. Yes. <laughs> if you say so. But yeah, no, yeah. yeah. The Easter the Easter eggs were like from the first episode. You're like, Whoa, a plenty. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Or like, yeah, That's it's like the, um, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Malloy, the interviewer, uh, is mm-hmm. you know in Louis's apartment and he's like looking at a painting. It's Marius. Goes, Marius to Roman. <laughs> it's like <gasps> what? Yes, I remember. I sat up and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're already name dropping oh Marius. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which I was like completely blew over my yeah. head, and Julia's like, oh my god. I'm like. 
it's a well, pain. and that yeah. no, and that's the minute I, I sat like up and I started it. getting my theory, <laughs> which actually proved to be true. I'm like, wait a sec, because ah. I was like, there ain't no fucking way that Louis chose all these decorations and that Louis likes all these servants. I'm like, I have an idea based on where they are in the time period, who he's with, who owns this place. And it just... Oh, man. I did not I, see I that coming. I was expecting he had had some, you know, some still close connections to Armand, but I did not guess who Armand was. It was. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that it was Armand. So, yeah. Spoil- our very big yes. spoiler. Uh, who we think is the manservant yeah. of Louis in present day is actually Armand, um, who was pretending to be a, a, a human yeah. to uh, have a disguise. Yeah. That has it yet to be... Quite yeah, the twist. It has yet to be fully explained why he was pretending to do that there's i mean that was the end of the season so it's like that i mean there's no we're gonna have to just wait for season two because what a crazy drop that was we're like wait a second because there's a lot of people who think that there's been mental manipulation there's been memory manipulation that something big happened at the first interview and um armand doesn't or thinks that his presence would somehow whatever, or just a theater kid being a theater kid. So yeah, <laughs> just because he yeah, felt just, like just, it because it's just fun and different for the sake of fuckery. Yeah. And uh, again, like I'm not as well versed in the lore. So once they kind of dropped it, that was Armand. I was like, wait a second, but Louis was feeding off of him. So then Julie kind of filled in. It's like, well, if they feed off of stronger vampires, they themselves yeah. become stronger. Also, yeah. So like that whole dynamic was very interesting. I was like, interesting. It, it's okay. also like the equivalent of like vampire sex. So it's kind of like in front of my salad, yeah. <laughs> in front of my, me too. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing this in front of my salad, guys. Yeah, they did that right in front of the interviewer for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is interesting because they did drop a little bit of kind of like spoilers without dropping like it was more like foreshadowing. Yeah. So there's like one of the first like two or maybe even three episodes, uh, Louis feeding on a human yeah. and he's this big, big Damn dude it. and he feeds on him for like a couple minutes and the guy almost passes out. But then they show him much later and Rashid, who is he's feeding on and he sits there what feels like a fucking eternity. Yeah. And then he's just like, and eh, we're yeah. good. And like nothing happened. And we're like, how does... How does that work out? And then they actually call it out at the very exactly. end. And we're like, ta-da, it's because I'm not yeah. human, baby. Yeah. And it was very interesting little Easter eggs that you're like, wait a second, something's not adding well, I mean, up here. And, and he it was, even it was says, well right? I sort of like, you're standing yeah. in front of the fucking sun. And then he's like, oh. Yeah, like, how does that work? I'm like, okay, all right. I didn't know we were working in that. It's because they... Uh, it's because we're uh, in Blade Universe where they just put on sunscreen. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> put on a helmet. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, just put on a helmet and some sunscreen. It's yep. all good. Don't oh, worry about it. Blade. Uh, yep. Oh, that's another great one, one that I really want to cover. One of my first big crushes was Deacon Frost. <laughs> oh, Deacon Frost. He, yeah, that's a whole other yep. story. We'll, we'll get there some other yep. time. But yeah, it's. Really, like, the show was really beautiful, and I really appreciated that they they definitely took a different spin on it and, like, elaborated in other ways. And I think the most fascinating thing for me was, again, going back to Anne Rice's interview with the vampire, what the show is called, and knowing that before Anne Rice's passing, she actually had wanted to yes. do this project in this particular exactly. way. So when people are freaking out about, oh, they changed it, it's like, actually... Anne Rice herself changed yeah. it. And this is like her baby of like her re-envisioning her own work, which actually made me appreciate yeah. it 
even mm-hmm. more she, yeah, because it's it's her just, vision like, yeah, still. They didn't just take it and run. She she did yeah. have part to play in this, and she did collaborate with them. So yeah. these people are like Anne Rice would would never, or they just waited till she died. Except she yeah. did, yeah. yeah. And they're like they just waited until <laughs> yeah. she died to do this. I'm like she was part of the project. No, nope. yeah, she's listed as an executive producer along with yeah. her son, yeah. who's still an executive yeah. producer. But these are the right because after she yeah. passed, these yeah. are the people too who called. No, while she was still alive, they were working on it together. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but now he's taken yes. over since yes. since yeah. her passing, right? Because it, it didn't finish before she yeah. passed. But these are the people too who call Louis Louis and stuff Blech. like that. And like, up, oh. boo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or boo. they call like interview with a vampire. I'm like, all right. <laughs> the vampire. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like um, not to get into comparison, but I mean, I mentioned with the book that it's very much a grief project. You know, Anne Rice working through her grief with her child. Right. The movie takes after it a lot. This has the benefit of like 50 years-ish almost uh-huh. past that moment where she has processed her grief and now she's just ready to tell the story yes. that can be in this universe yeah. now without focusing too much on the nitty gritty details. So mm-hmm. Louis is allowed to have more agency and more character aside from being an analog for Anne Rice and her feelings at the time. Mm-hmm. Claudia can be more than just a little girl. You yeah. know, still tell the story of an adolescent turned into a vampire, but it doesn't have to be trapped at that age, you know, give her a little bit yeah. more freedom to act within the world, but still yeah. hampered in some ways. So uh, I think the story benefits from time and changes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think knowing that she just kind of had been percolating on things that she could have shifted in her own universe and then actually was able to execute it in a way that not only spoke to what she wanted it to be, but still resonated with kind of her diehard original Uh fans. Like there's a little bit for everybody. And I, I really, really enjoyed that. And it is kind of a bummer that she didn't get to live to see it actually come out. But at the same time, like knowing that her son is working on it is like his, his work is kind of her vision. I'm sure he, like it was probably in his entire life that you know she started writing before he was even born so it was his entire life when she was kind of creating this world um but yeah it it is very interesting i i don't think i've ever really seen a show presented in that way before where some like an author not only want like authors working on shows or movies like as co kind of producers or whatever that's somewhat common if they're still around or if they want to participate but to see it like completely revisioned by the author and then executed in the kind of nuanced way that the author wanted to tweak things I've just never really seen anything quite like that before Mm -hmm. like I'm trying to think of another example and I can't (laughs) it's interesting I really enjoyed that they did that it definitely felt more fleshed out, especially not knowing the lore. It's like, oh, I didn't know that. And I'm like, well, I can't tell if they just made that up. <laughs> like in Game of Thrones, they start making shit up or if it actually is the lore. And luckily I had my handy dandy yes. Julie with me. So it sounds like they really, I mean, she really thought through how to kind of make it more cohesive and give more depth, especially to Lestat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more to Lestat. And it's like, you could choose, if you don't know anything about the lore, you can choose to believe what he's telling is true or not. Like Claudia says, like, yeah. you know, Poor little lost boy, you know, just misses his, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, he's just saying Mm -hmm. these things to make us feel sorry for him. But it's like, if you know, it's like, no, these stories are actually true. And when she pokes at at Nikki, I'm like, oh, honey, you have no idea how bad that was. Poking at Nikki, who was proto-Louis. Yeah. 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 So a lot more um, baggage is revealed with him. Obviously, there's a lot of kind of trauma that 
you don't get any sense of that in the first book. And then they kind of dig through that a little bit more, which actually brings a lot more, I mean, not a lot more, but it brought a little bit more sympathy, I think, for me with his character. Whereas in the other, you know, the book in the, the film, there was just not much yeah. there of like, man, you're just kind of a trash well, can it, on fire of a, of a thing, aren't yeah, you? Like, yeah. not much redemption. I think one... They wanted to because, again, like you said, there isn't much in the original source material of just the book, the interview with the vampire, or of the movie to kind of make you like Lestat. Tom Cruise did what he could just with his natural charm and his like silly moments to make you like the character. But again, the character itself, you're like, "Eh, like, you're a bad guy. You kind of deserve to die, whatever. With this one, they kind of wanted you to understand why Louis may have loved Lestat in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, At one point. Lestat became yeah. like the first one to really recognize how Louis, as a young black man in like 1910 New Orleans, was be- a gay, a gay black, black man <laughs> who was in the closet, mind yeah. you, but is a gay black man, yeah. was being treated by like his, you know, uh, business partners or people was working with were all, white. were all white and taking advantage of him. Like, oh yeah, you want to do all this work for us for like 5% and it's yeah. like, what? Or what how he like, has yeah. to bow and like you know cater to them like yes sir oh yes sir kind of thing and it's like why do you do this to yourself and that don't you see your potential don't you see your power um and uh you know and telling him that he loves him and giving louis the chance to be himself like we said a young gay black man in, in 1910 new orleans um so we can see why louis loves lestat Mm-hmm. You know, of all the questions, Louis, if you're miserable, why don't you leave? Because we see how he's fallen in love with him now. Yeah. And he gave him a sense of freedom that he'd never felt before. He could actually be yeah. himself. But- so I can see that kind of self-discovery mm-hmm. is a huge turning point for the character. And I can definitely see that initial affection. But what's so tragic about it is it's, it's l- conditional love. Yes. You can be free and you can be yourself as long as you're being the vampire that I want you to be. You can be free and you can be yourself as long as you're not questioning me. You can be free and you can be as long as you're okay with me being with this person and you don't do anything. You know, it's like, it's all very conditional with Lestat because he wants control. He has to have control because... You know, the last time he lost control of a relationship, it ended very, 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 very badly. Yeah. And um, yeah. he's very, like you were saying, he's very sympathetic. He's much more sympathetic in this one. But they also do a great job of, you know, he is a bastard. He's There's a reason mm-hmm. he's a bastard. But yeah. he he's he's very, but in this, you can kind of see it humbles him because he does get really humbled. He's like, oh, they killed, they, they tried to kill me. They really, really did. I knew they were planning on it, but they, they really did. They still and, tried um, anyway, yeah. And I feel like it's like, because that's the big thing. It is it is a codependent, unhealthy relationship because like you said, Absolutely. Louis, why don't you go? And he even has the option. I'll just slow you down. Well, that's an excuse. I'll just, you know, he'll, I'll stay with him anyway. I mean, what good would it change? Because it's, it's he's what he knows. So, you know, and yeah. Lestat's like, I, I would, and it's even in the last episode, like I'll have us all together even if it's in hatred. Like I, I want us all together. I need this control even if we don't like each other anymore, you know? Yeah. And they have to have these elements, these little elements to get you to like Lestat because mm-hmm. towards the end, you really don't yeah. anymore. I know. I think that they must have thought yeah. that true manipulative and emotional, uh, emotionally abusive relationships are a little too subtle mm-hmm. for some people to get. So they had to go full out physically abusive too. Uh, fucking episode five. Oof. Yeah. 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 And that actually, I was just thinking of that scene. So uh, I think Mary, you had just mentioned love yes. bombing. So it's like the whole crazy thing of 
Lestat gets all cranky because he like uh, Louis is pining over Claudia leaving and they're basically shut ins for like seven years because Claudia is gone. And so then Lestat is like screwing around with his with Antoinette, who's this late like the lounge singer. And then he just leaves Louis, and then finally Claudia comes back, and then Why the statue's like, "Oh, the second she comes yeah. back, you're just all about her, and where have I? Like, I'm just like mincing exactly. to you, and like gets really it's possessive." It's the classic narcissistic thing. It's I can go and do yes. these things, but I'm waiting. I was waiting for you. It's like you weren't waiting for him. You were fucking around with Antoinette. You were doing your own like, thing. He, yeah, like, exactly. Love, if you loved him, you'd be like, "Okay, you know what? Let's go find her." Let's go find Let's her make together. make this work. But no, it was like, and also it's like, I'm sorry he doesn't have a libido when he literally misses his daughter and he's depressed. It's like. Right. He's in yeah. mourning. So yeah. That's not the way Lestat yeah. sees it. Lestat, it's, it's the classic narcissist thing. He's like, he sees it as he's rejecting me. He's ignoring me. He's, you know, he's just so obsessed with her. I don't get why he's obsessed with her and stuff like that. And so. Yeah. She's not me. I don't get Oh, it. oh man. I, I haven't <laughs> even ranted yet about how much I. But freaking love Bailey Bass as Claudia. It's like mm-hmm. such a good. Per- she's just you love her. Yeah. You love her. You love her. Even when she's evil. Even yeah. when I mean, even when she's evil, it's for pretty good reason. Like when she gets when it's she amazing. gets the one up on him and gets to have her little moment. I was like, you go, girl. You go. Yeah, that was a crazy twist. But yeah, I mean, and going back to kind of the the abusive kind of dynamic, the the big turning point is like they don't really touch on this again in the book or the the film adaptation, mm-hmm. but. They there's like a full blown actual fight between Louis and Lestat and Lestat wails yeah. on him like he practically I mean if had it been a human he would have just completely pummeled him he and killed dead. him but obviously he would have been dead and then he does this whole crazy like beats the shit out of him and then oh wow he can fly that's the first time we're yeah. seeing that so he like drops him from an obscenely high height time. we saw him hover in the air no <laughs> yeah when they were having a saucy yeah. time yeah but i mean he literally supermans him and drops yeah. him and then like a couple months go by after he starts to heal and then they start he starts love bombing the crap he's like i got you a car yeah. i got you this really rare book yeah. i got i made this record yeah. for you and like it's he, he didn't just drop him. He, he dragged him full on in the air after he's been like, you know, beaten to shit and yeah. back just, and says yeah. to him, like, you know, you can choose to stay with me. You, yeah. I'll, I'll forgive you for, yeah. you know, your depression if you stay with me. And Louis says, let me go. Yeah. And he and does. He yeah. <laughs> he physically yeah. does that. And so and I, just, I, I, I said the Joker thing. I'm like, very poor choice of words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously, yeah. though, except he was very deliberate yeah, exactly. on me. Like, I think that might have been the plan all along because I, I, maybe it was like a test. He's like, he wouldn't just say drop well, and, me. He's not yeah. going yeah, to do I'm really, that. I'm really attuned. I think we all are attuned to like the abusive things that are going on because yeah. that one oh, meeting yeah. with the car, so much when abuse. he looks at him and he's like, let me show you, let me show you, just tell me. Because he's no, he knows. And also, that's forcing Louis to have to interact with him. You have to say you want yep. to leave me. Just that, shows up yeah, at his that doorstep. Like, you have to say. Yeah. You have to say. I have to go. And that would force him to have to talk to him. And then there's the right. other thing he says: You're having where to engage. The silence is cruel, and you've never been cruel. It's like you are turning it around as this was Louis's choice. Yeah. This was not it's, his choice. It's gaslighting. Yeah. This was not his. Yeah. Choice. He's not being cruel to you. He is recovering from abuse. And he doesn't want to talk to you right now. And I was all for Claudia. Right. And he's like, I'm nothing without both of you. And Claudia just looking like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't care about you. Yeah, right. Like, what, what's, yeah, what's this we thing? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, God, there's just, like, so many classic mm. things of, like, all the gaslighting and the love mm. bombing. And then the whole, like, 
turning it around on them and like, well, if you didn't make me angry, this would I wouldn't have had to yeah, express this me. to you in this way. Yeah, like it's just ha yeah, classic classic abusive relationship mm-hmm. tactics and it was it was like really well conducted but also really yes, upsetting because yes. <laughs> I was like god this is so realistically not okay I have to ask you guys like, now what was your favorite episodes like what do you, which episodes do you feel like were the strongest and which ones did you feel like were the weakest Aaron Ooh. knows the danger of asking me what my favorite episodes are Julie <laughs> Julie, <laughs> Julie take it away, away depress us all Julie no, so <laughs> So I, my favorite episodes of series that I love tend to be the darkest yes! episodes where yep. the characters go through like the, either the most <laughs> physical or emotional dark depths that they can. So, so like, yep. yeah. <laughs> so I did like that one, actually. <laughs> yep. Because, so, of course, well, because, it's so like, bad rewatching it over and over yeah. because everyone's like, oh, it's so awful. Like, it's so emotional. Yeah, but it's, yeah, so it's, it's not because I liked what was happening. I don't like to watch abuse happening. No, However, no. it's like, again, I enjoy the agency that Louis now has in these series. Yeah. And the true mm-hmm. dynamic we can see between Louis and Lestat as they go through this, you know, initial period of living together. Where we see Louis going through a deep depression because Claudia is gone. We see Lestat like reacting to this and like, you know, oh my God, that staying with Louis because he doesn't want to leave, but also like, you know, not liking this because why aren't you paying attention to me? I have my you're needs. Not yeah. Yeah, you're not fun anymore, <laughs> which I mean is fair. You're allowed to feel that way. Oh, that, that line, like, do you remember how good our life was before her? It wasn't. <laughs> but he uses it against him, which is yeah. not good. And, you know, and then, you know, once Claudia comes back and Louis's happy again, Lestat does not like that Louis is happy again because of Claudia and not mm-hmm. because of Lestat. Right. Not because and of now him. all their emotions yeah. that they didn't talk about for seven years are coming out. All to just, like, ultimately hurt the thing that he loves the most because Louis's just a thing to him. He's not his own person nope. if he ever was. Yep. Yeah. Um, and to the point of choosing to break it rather than him not having him the way he wants. Yeah. You know, dropping yeah. him from high up in the air and Louis taking years as a vampire to yeah. recover from that damage. Yeah. A diet of animals can definitely attribute to that as well. It's like if you were drinking some human blood, he may have healed a little faster. I'm he just may saying. have, but again, it's like vampires heal heal with blood as blood. It actually doesn't matter if it comes from animals or vampires. They heal better with vampire blood. Uh-huh. So if Lestat right. had actually stuck around and, like, fed Louis from himself, him. he might have healed faster. Yeah. Uh, but whether it was just a choice of Lestat to deprive Louis of that or whether it was a choice of Louis to just, like, I do not want to around me right say, now. I don't think he would have taken that even if it yeah. would have been, like, no. a quick heal. And again, not we can know that because in this series, Louis has more agency to yes. have have those emotions. Yeah. To actually say yeah. no and, like, make yeah, a boundary. To, like, Jacob Anderson and all them. They yeah, just... and, and when he goes back to Lestat, it's his choice whether we like it or not. Yeah. He made a choice to go back to him after years of uh, Lestat love-bombing him, but we can understand that it was a choice that this character made whether we agree with it or not Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's my favorite episode erin what's yours (laughs) what was your favorite oh god i don't know i mean i have to let me think uh i'm trying to because i think i don't know if i liked one episode more than the other i think there were just like parts that i really enjoyed Uh and you can share like your favorite parts yeah yeah so I, i i guess what i really 
I guess like is not the appropriate word. What I appreciated, again, is like the same kind of conversation we've been talking about is the representation of what an abusive relation looks like. It's albeit it's on steroids because they're supernatural, but it's the the premise is still there. And it's like to actually encompass a relationship like that. It's hard to do without it just being like, oh, you're the damsel in distress and you just you just need someone to come save you. Like there's a lot of ways that that gets interpreted in media that is just not realistic and also there's like the classic question like well why don't you just leave and that addresses that like it actually goes through the motions of like there's so many other emotional ties Mm -hmm. besides the fact that you're getting the shit kicked out of you or getting mentally physically verbally abused i really appreciated that they actually made a a, a more quote unquote realistic (laughs) dynamic with supernatural beings i guess but i i did appreciate that that I mean, and Julie, I'm, I don't know if you remember. I mean, we, we were making comments while we were watching the show the entire time. I was like, damn, it's like every classic yeah. checkbox was mm. checked. And it was very upsetting. And also, like, I really appreciate it. It's like, yes, show what this actually looks like. I'll, again, really, really aggressive example. But I, I did appreciate that. And then I guess another um, another kind of line that I really enjoyed was... Um, I thought I actually kind of enjoyed that they showed a lot more of his family. Yes. So in the yes. in the book in the show or a book in the in the film, there's barely any mention. So you actually, I mean, there is, it, but there in isn't. In the book, but, there is a, a big chunk of it, which is Louis's uh, human yes, life. In the beginning, and it, it does talk about his brother most of all, and that he yeah. has a mom and a sister. The mom and the sister barely kind of mentioned. It's the brother relationship that's the yeah. most important. Yeah. In the movie, they just wish-wash that all the way. Oh, I had a wife and child, and they died in childbirth. The and ends. then I, I became an alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I, I understand from a movie point of view, you got you got time, 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 time. Uh, and it's like, it's an easy thing for, you know, audiences to accept. Oh, wife and child died in childbirth. I see why you're upset. If in a movie, without any description, you just said, my brother died, and I'm very upset. It's like, all right, I guess. <laughs> okay, moving on. It's like, there's so much more <laughs> yeah. to that. Than, yes. Because like, Paul was a whole yes. thing. Like, he had a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going yes. on. Yes. Him. Yeah, they definitely took yeah. the time to flesh out Louis' mortal family in this one a lot because we we get the brother who is obviously mentally unwell. Like mm-hmm. with the book, you with like you know the fantastical elements and like you know you're talking vampires and whatnot, and you're unsure if in this universe God and the devil are real. You know, was Louis' brother like a true prophet? You know, who knows if you oh, know that could yeah could exist in this world or is he crazy? Yeah, um, column A, little yeah. column B. Low call me, low call me. Yeah, might and in this uh, series, it's kind of supposed to be pretty obvious that he's he's unwell. That he's already yeah. spent time in a mental hospital, mm-hmm. and he's only out because Louis mm-hmm. took him out because their father put him in there. We see yeah. him we talking know to how himself. Well mental institutions treated people, especially yeah. people of color. Color, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the early 1900s. Yeah. So yeah. we we see him talking to himself, and we hear him say that God talks to him through birds. So not even directly, but through birds which is odd um and we see how paul dies which is like you know not an ambiguous thing of like oh did louis cause it oh did he do it oh was it an accident it's like oh no paul just walked right off flat out suicide yeah Uh, Yeah. flat out suicide and it was the day the morning after their sister's wedding and i was like oh there could have been no worse time than that not that there's any good time but come on man Right after his <gasps> sister's wedding and right in front of Louis as yeah. Louis begging him I not know, to God. do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, know. I remember what a the, scene. the dialogue and the first time I watched it. And when Paul looks at him and goes, I love you, 
I'm like, oh, that's the goodbye. I love you. That's the goodbye. Yep, I love you. That's, that's not just. Yeah, we're like, day. That's, that's bad. The, I'm saying this because nope. I'm about to go now. I'm about you know? to jump off. Yep, that's literally. I was like, yeah. oh no, we're on a roof. I knew oh, what no. was going to yeah, happen. I, would... I had an idea mm-hmm. of what was going to happen. Yeah, like, I'm like okay. The tension yeah. was there and, for sure. Uh, so, but when yeah. he did that, I'm like, oh my god. And so that was, and then also the in the first episode, the 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 marriage parallels. You know, it's like we've got the wedding. And we've got the same priest in both places, you know, one place, obviously worse. We've got, you know, how he even mentioned, he's like, mm-hmm. you should get married next and stuff like that. And then <laughs> they're, they're where they would be. And there's, you know, it's, it's, it's very, yeah. it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked the, like, they brought a lot of his family in well before, yeah. like, they established his character well before he became a vampire, which I really appreciated um, because you don't, again, the, the first book is, not nearly as well thought out. Like you see a lot of his vampire life, but not much of his human life yeah. prior. And so they they really built a, a nice, rich environment around what his life was like prior to becoming a vampire. And then that transition of him kind of figuring himself out with Lestat in the good years, I guess yeah. you could say. And then how it transitions into... His family doesn't recognize him. They don't yeah. know him. He's estranged. Like his mother is, is has passed away and his sister's like, we're leaving and I don't care what happens to you. You're not my brother. Whatever this is, it's not yeah. my brother anymore. And it's, you know, 60 plus yeah. years later. Grace, um, man. That but yeah, it, she was amazing. Yeah. Really, really amazing. I, I we did got to like see all of it. We got to see extra. the love struck, you know, sweet sister who's like supporting and she's, she so supports him. Like, even when he's a little yeah. shady, even when he's with Lestat, she's like, okay, you know, good you. This is a new you. And how much those words, like, as she grew up, must have been like, oh, man, that's when I lost Yeah, that's him. not you anymore. And she starts losing him bit by yeah. bit. And it's just, it's so hard to see because they clearly care about each other and they both support each other. But he can't do that anymore because it like an abusive relationship. They pull you away, you know, Cobra abusers. They, they pull you away from your yep. loved ones. And they even isolate the, you. The, the little things, which it, it's true as a vampire. You, you got to cut human ties. They will notice. But it is right. also an abusive right. tactic where it's like, you got to be away from your family. You can mm-hmm. I'm your family now. I'm the, all you need. You don't yeah. need money. You don't Isolation need Isolation is a huge, yeah. you need yeah. me. I'm yeah. it. Isolation is yeah. a huge thing. Ooh, and especially yeah. taking yep, advantage yep, yep. of um, a traumatic moment for the family, too, to draw yeah. Louis away. Because when the brother dies, yeah. the mom blames Louis for it because Louis was yep. up there with him on the roof when it happened. And exactly. there is, like, absolutely no way, unless Louis could read minds at that time, that he would have known he his was brother gonna know. was going to do that. No. Nope. Yeah. So there is absolutely nothing he could have done to stop it. Yeah. But his mother just, you know, finds the thing she can point to and blame. Yeah. And lays it all on Louis, which is absolutely not fair. You're the, yeah, you're the sinful brother that, yeah. you know, works with prostitutes and we all know is gay and, you know, yeah. always getting into a fight with Paul. Yeah, so unreasonable. Your, your brother was the good one and yeah. it's all your fault. He's gone now. And, yeah, yeah, it's the classic, you know, kind of hyper, you know, Catholic, like it's like projection. It's like, I do not want to settle with the fact that my son, by my own rules, is in hell. So I'm going to point my anger at you and not at me because we right. all saw Paul struggling. We all saw him not doing good, but I'm going to blame you because you're different now. Right. Something's you going need, on You need an outlet. You, you know? And yeah. I mean, he was about, everyone's like, you know, he chose for Lestat to turn him. And I'm like, he was about to kill himself. Like he was going to confess his sins and then he was going to kill himself. And uh, yeah. it's like it was either kill himself that way or kill himself over, you know, hundreds of years as a vampire. And also, I mean, not I do not think there was like direct coercion, but I mean, as a vampire, he was being spellbound. You know, he was being, 
you know, he was being entranced by Lestat, seduced, so, seduced and stuff like that. So it's like, oh yeah, yes, it was kind of his choice, but also kind of dubiously, no, it kind of was. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to Julie's mm-hmm. comment about he was like Lestat really knew how to pick the timing. Oh, yeah. He was in mourning and he was also in a very pivotal moment in his life where he was kind of like it was his moment of vulnerability mm-hmm. and he very much took advantage uh-huh. of that. And again, super yep, manipulative. Yep, yep. <laughs> and really abusive. And I'm like, damn, yeah. there's like all the signs. Yeah, after are there. the brother dies and like, you know, Lestat is doing the very inappropriate thing of like, you know, hey Louie, you're in this funeral procession, come with me. And it's yeah. <laughs> he's like, trust me when I say your fa- your brother longed for that flagstone. It's like yeah. So did he know what are you, that his right, brother was suicidal? Could he this? have warned Louis to like, right. to, but or was he just like, oh, here's a thing that's about to happen. I'll just bide my time, yeah, and wait to strike. Which is a very like similar trajectory to what Armand uh-huh. did, yeah. where he kind of was like seeing where it yeah. would play out, and then just kind of like nudged it along a yeah. little bit. And it's let like, me just manufacture this little bonding yeah. tragedy here. <laughs> yeah, and that's not the first yeah. only time Lestat does that in the in the third episode when no. he sees yeah. these racists and these people pushing Louis and pushing Louis, and, and he sees him like he's starving himself, and he, he Louis even calls him on. He's like, maybe you saw this coming. Maybe you didn't say anything because you knew I would react violently soon. And you know, Lestat doesn't say anything. It's like. You know, he can't read Louis's mind, but he can see, he's like, okay, he's not drinking any blood. I'm standing up for him, kind of, but I'm not stopping these people from taking advantage and, and, and stopping yeah. him. And he could, I mean, he's a power, he can freeze time, you know, kill all those, you know, he, yeah. there's so much he can do. I mean, he marched all those freaking soldiers out and stuff like that. And so it's like, like you said, it's, it's sitting back and doing nothing. It reminds me of that quote from Hannibal where it's like, you know, wind him up and watch him go and stuff like that. You yeah. Know? yeah. Well, it's like at the same time from a story point and from a Lestat point, I can see why he would make those phrases. From a story creator point, I can kind of see why you don't want to have like, you know, the big strong white vampire helping yeah. out the weaker black vampire. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. the white savior moment. It's like, yeah, Dynamic. let's not have that, yeah. Yeah. please. Yeah, and race is a yeah, huge thing. We're, we're race over is that an enormous thing because yes. Lestat does do racist stuff without it being like clear American racism. It's it's the I literally like I don't understand this privilege. Um, it's yeah, yeah. He's privilege. He's very privileged. He has an entire because even yeah. though they are both vampires, they are both no matter what going to have different experiences as vampires because Lestat is white and because Louis is black. You know, well, and they they have a lot of that dynamic when he's working with his yeah. white partners, when Louis's working with his white partners, and then they're always like, "Why don't you just have your yeah, white friend exactly. do it? Why don't you have him just do? It? Why why can't he just be the friend?" It's like because it's my yeah. business, because this is about me, and they're like, mm, "They'll take him more yeah. seriously," and they point that out yeah. a lot, even though nobody likes the stat. They're like, "You're an asshole," but at yeah. least you're you white. Got that going for you, <laughs> like, yeah, y- he's yeah, white and European, Woof. and yeah, and then the whole scene in the opera too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah the opera scene yeah. where it's like, yeah, you'll be my chauffeur, and you know, but and then instead of instead of sitting down and being like, hey, this really stinks, and I'm really sorry that you had to be my servant, he just, just goes, goes, it's normal. about me. I don't want to be lonely. Let's not be lonely. You know, he makes it about himself instead yeah. of going, hey, you know, this yeah. sucks, and I'm sorry that you have to to go through that. 
Yeah, maybe we won't go back to this opera house anymore because they make you treat that way. Maybe if you're limited, I want to be limited, yeah. and I don't, I'm going to share that. But that would require uh, yes. compassion, <laughs> yeah. and we don't and have empathy. that here. So, mm, sorry, those yeah. are fresh out. Yeah, I guess <laughs> the one thing you could say going for Lestat and his racism, racism is that it is born from privilege and ignorance yes. as opposed to maliciousness and belief in the inferiority of others like the, other, like the humans around them. Yeah, he's not yeah. willing. Right. He doesn't agree. Yeah, he's that. not willfully being yeah. racist. It's like I physically don't understand what this is like, which is yeah. still shitty. Like right. when uh, L- Louis kills that uh, that contractor <laughs> who he's talking to about business, and he's yeah. just like making all these oh, comments yeah. about how you're smarter than you look, and oh, you do got a brain in that head of yours, don't you? And yeah. it's like all that right. that casual racism oh, because yes. he believes that Louis shouldn't be able to be this smart, and Louis, Dabbling understandably, <laughs> in a fit of a rage, like you know, kills him. And Lestat is like, why did you do this? This is a man of prominence. This could bring attention to our door. And mm-hmm. you needed him for your business. And people will know he's right. missing. And what did he do that made you kill him? And Louis just goes, he, said, he said I did a good job. And it's like, we I understand why Lestat yeah. does not understand. But at the same time, we right. know why Louis is so upset. <laughs> right. Those microaggressions yeah. are everywhere. Even if, you're t- even if Lestat was standing right there. You know, he might not even catch on. I mean, he probably would because he can read the guy's mind. But it's like he might not even see but even it. He's so. Like, he was paying you a compliment. Yeah, he doesn't see an it's issue like with that. you don't understand how he – it's – it's it's. but I do love that he chose that night to dabble in fuckery. And I'm like, all right. You, you <laughs> fuck around, you're going to find yeah. out. Yeah. Um, well, they also show Lestat in a pretty racist light when the First World yeah. War starts out towards the tail end. He makes some pretty intense comments about like the uh, the lesser race or the greater race in, in regards to like Germany versus. I mean, they he he makes some offhanded comments, and I was like, whoa, yeah, it's like they're awful, but they're well dressed. I'm like, oh, oh, did you just? Did that you just he, compliment Nazis? Yeah. <laughs> I think he just made, I think in just the stat fashion, he just made a very poorly timed joke that was oh, only yeah. funny to him. <laughs> I don't think yeah. he meant that from a, they're truly superior. Just like, you know, they may yeah. be awful, but at least they're aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. <laughs> but, they're, but they look yeah, yeah, yeah. smart. And one of the writers even yeah. said, the writer who's like one of the people who writes Lestat was like, in any situation, he is going to say the worst thing possible. Like, yeah. he's gonna, he's that gonna, sounds like, right. that when she's out. having that horrible, amazing, awful monologue, and it's like, which one of you is going to fuck me? And he's like, oh, you're not my type. Yeah. I'm like, not what you're supposed to say right now. <laughs> yeah. I like somebody with yeah, more it's form. Like your Woof. daughter figure yeah. slash sister figure just. Also, she's really yeah. upset. So maybe don't yeah, say so shit I'm like with that. Louis when he's thought. like, why don't you shut the fuck up? I'm just like. Yeah, it's like, dude, yeah, boundaries. Yeah. We don't know what yeah. that is, and it's very stressful. Um, I feel like we're already in the comparison, so we're just gonna carry right, yeah. on carrying on. So keep 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 it coming because we just like morphed yeah. into that already. So now gloves right. are off. Let's talk about air thing. So for comparison, the relationship between Claudia and Lestat. Like again in the books and the book in the movie, mm-hmm. we don't get like a whole lot of heavy details as to why Claudia does not like Lestat. Like mm-hmm. she, she discovers that Lestat's yeah. the one who turned her, but I mean, like, why is that enough to make you murderous towards him? Yes. Like, and also, like, yeah, he doesn't answer all of her questions. It's like, is that enough yeah. to murder yeah. someone? And especially because like, mm-hmm. Louis also played a key role in like every iteration. He had something to do with it. And yeah. you know, in the book and the movie where he he's the one who killed her, he's the one who singles her out. And, yeah. you know, in this one, mm-hmm. he literally brings her to Lestat to and is like, her. turn her. Yeah. yeah, he like, again, Louis having more agency, yeah. he begs Lestat to turn her and Lestat mm-hmm. 
unwillingly, but for Louis, does yeah. it, yeah. which is a hell of a change. Because yeah. <laughs> bu- the other ones, yeah. Louis's like, no, no, don't do it, but like yeah. doesn't do anything to stop oh, it. Oh, wait. Stop. stop. Come back. Don't do that. <laughs> this is awful. Already buying her like a wardrobe. This oh, is terrible. No. I've never wanted a little girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no agency But, I mean, you see it in his eyes, though, because he just barely lost them. Like, they were about to part ways. And he's back. And so he's like, he doesn't even have time to romp and be like, oh, come crawling back. He's like, okay, I have to make a decision right now. And he's either going to leave me, which I honestly don't know. Like, I talk with some friends, and I'm like, would he let him leave? Would he let him just walk out that door and go? It probably would have been a... An earlier earlier version of what actually happened. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He would have just dropped him and beat the shit out of him sooner. And uh, so, yeah, so (laughs) I feel like he was just like, okay, this is a bad idea. But if I can get a few extra years, I can try to convince him to stay with me and maybe I can make this thing work. So he does it. He definitely is like, this is something someone told me not to do. And then Marius far off is like, no! Stop (laughs) it! Don't do it! (laughs) Terrible idea. Well, it's like, and we also get, like, we just, from the beginning between Lestat and Claudia, we can feel the animosity. Louis is Papa Louis. Lestat is Uncle Lestat. Hmm. He's not Daddy Lestat. Or just Lestat. Like, she drops the uncle uncle for a while. while, She's annoyed with him. It's just Lestat. Yeah. And we see, like, tiny bonding moments between them. Like, when Claudia is just getting her vampire feet underneath her and she's still young in her mind Mm -hmm. and body. That they have little bonding moments together. But as soon as she develops, like, her own independence Mm -hmm. and her own desires is when she and Lestat clash. Because, ultimately, they are very similar. Yes, exactly. I mean, that we see that happen in family dynamics all the time. I mean, I can speak for myself, like... In many ways, me and my dad are very different, but in some ways, we're both stubborn. We both are very, very, like, outspoken, and we both don't like being disrespected. We want to have the last word. So we butt heads. And so I feel that with Claudia and Lestat, because they're both very similar. They're both snarky, kind of sadistic, plotting, and so when they meet another snarky, sadistic bastard or bitch, then, 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 then then they're just like, oh, shit. I, I'm the person here. I'm the alpha. I'm the alpha in the in this situation, and so they're gonna butt heads more. And they even touch on that. They're like, they're Louis even says it. They were both very similar. They liked to like have these matches where they'd be nasty to each other, and have Louis just watch it. And Louis should have gone. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Just gonna leave. But I guess Thanks. he thought if he left, then they would just physically attack each other. So maybe he thought if he stayed, it would just be like tongue and cheek crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it did seem like they were really on par with each other in the very very beginning because he's like, oh, it's like a little mini-me. This yeah. is great. And then she starts to gain her own independence. He's like, no, see, I don't like this anymore because now I don't have as much yeah. control Well, not even you. that moment of like, oh, it's a mini-me. It's great because in the beginning in the show, like yeah. – um, Claudia is like writing in a diary yeah. and he's like, you know, why does he write in that little book? It's like, Lestat, you're from Europe – from like the 18th century, you know what a goddamn journal is. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You know yeah, what this is. From oh, it's a mini me, so great. And then the oh, it's a mini me. Fuck, I'm a, yeah. I'm a handful. Fuck. Yeah, this is not good. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah. So it's just he, she's a burden from day one. He takes enjoyment from her when he wants to, mm-hmm. but when as soon as she's no longer a plaything for him, he's like, Ugh, I, all together done. Well, yeah. like everybody else, Antoinette, Lily, Louis. Claudia, every single person he interacts with, it's what can you give me? What do I gain from you? Yeah. If I have nothing to gain from you, I'm out. 
And and that's yep. that's very much him because it's like for like you were saying it's like oh she gives me enjoyment she's fun I can teach her she's a nice little pupil she's respectful and she keeps she keeps Louie with me she keeps Louie happy but the minute yeah. that those things like like I was saying like it's in, it's conditional love as long I'll love you as long as you do this I love you as long as you don't question me and like Claudia leaves on her own twice a benefit for her being older as opposed to the movie yes. or the book she can in a some yes. sense uh, live on her own right. and the first time Lestat lets her. Because he he doesn't care about her. He doesn't love her. So he doesn't care if she stays on yeah. his terms or not. But he sees what it does to Louis, who he very much does want to stay on his terms. And so right. the second time when she leaves, yeah. he doesn't allow it for even a second. He's immediately on her yeah. and drags her back, mm-hmm. kicking and screaming. And so it's like, oh, yeah, Lestat, you definitely earned her murderous intentions towards you. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's like... I, I sat back, it's like, how did you think this was going to go? Like, did you think she'd be like, okay, right. I'll stay, I'll be nice. It's like, no, you know what she's like. You know no. she's like you. It's like, okay, if I can't stay she's here. She's going to hold a grudge. Well, that's why this. he had Antoinette spying on them, so that he yeah. would know. Yeah, because he, he th- knew. He thought he would know yeah. what her intentions were. But- and so when he thought he uncovered her murder plot. And so at the end, he was just describing how they were going to kill Claudia, and Antoinette would take her place in their little family dynamic, and it, that would be the new trio. Yeah. He did not want Claudia. He only wanted her around for Louis's sake. And now that he'd exposed their plot, now he has Louis in a truly, like, you know, in a true spot where he can take full advantage of him from guilt, if nothing else, and keep him locked to him in hatred and guilt instead of love. And Claudia is now no longer necessary for that. Right, she's expensive. Now her death will just be another thing to guilt Louis about, you know? In in Um, the end, it will be Louis' fault. In the end, it will be Louis' fault. Of course. Yes. Always. Yeah. Always. uh, But Antoinette, I gotta say, I guess I, I I I felt bad for her because it's like first she got mutilated. She's definitely like under a spell, yeah. and I you know I gotta feel sorry for her. But also it's like, baby, why did you tell Lestat that Claudia was leaving that second time? Why didn't you just let her leave? Because because she wanted to make exactly. that road. And I'm just like, why why didn't she just let her let her go on the train and be like, oh, I don't know where Claudia is. Must be taking a while hunting. Because if if he's not happy. No mm. one's happy. And once again, not <laughs> that's the real reason. It's all about him. Absolutely. Let's play into this. Somehow he won. And it is Antoinette, Louis, and him. Like that would not have been a happy relationship. Oh no, absolutely oh my God. not. She was supposed to be she was supposed yeah, to be Antoinette dead. That was a means so, like, to an end. And he mm-hmm. he would get tired yeah. of her in and out of the affairs. So it's like she was she, right. How would being a vampire yeah. be? It's like yeah. well, to think about why didn't Antoinette just lie to Lestat and say she didn't know what it was? Picture it. Louis had given Claudia permission to leave. Mm-hmm. So her being gone, even if he would have been upset, he's in control of that emotion because he ultimately had control of that situation. Mm-hmm. Now she's been dragged back, so they're back to this forced family dynamic, and Louis is desperately trying. Uh-huh. To ignore all the bad signs. You know, yeah. he's sitting there listening I to the radio know. as they're fighting over chess matches. Yeah. And now in, imagine Lestat's scenario if they've uncovered Claudia's murder plot. He knows that Louis was in some way at least like, you know, a co-conspirator with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've uncovered it. So now Louis, Lestat is justified in getting rid of Claudia. Yeah. Louis will be trapped in pain and despair and guilt both for, you know, trapping Lestat because he has fallen in love with him again yeah. and right. for the, and loss, for of the loss of Claudia. And now Lestat yeah. and Antoinette can become the dominant members of the relationship and Louis essentially the whipping dog who will become whatever Lestat wants Always him to be. Line. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So that's probably what Lestat wanted to have happen and probably what Antoinette, because that would have given her a position of power within that little pack. 
yeah, so I can understand why she didn't just let Claudia go either. Yeah, exactly. But man, when you think about it, though, and, and it's classic <sighs> narcissist, narcissist and the way this is going. Oh, yeah. It would not have played out that way because he no. would not have liked that. It would not have gone because Antoinette would have come into her own. She had goals of her own. You know, it's like, and also Louis, like you've mentioned, has more has more of a will and has more independence in this. He he, he would, would have been he would pissed. not have just gone into he would have been sad but we've seen that yeah. Louis can turn that sadness into anger in all of these books even when he's not this much more characterized form so it's like it would not have even gone that way and i feel like you know this humbling is what he really needed i think one of my another one little thing that i was just kind of in about is i wish that his death had been a little bit more cuz you know in the books and in the movie and, and like in the comics and then in the graphic novel when he dies he becomes this sunken awesome cool looking skeletor, skeletor. Thing. and in this one it's like oh he's got a little bit of blood on him and he looks a little sad yeah and yeah. i'm just like I, and I get it i get it because it's like it could have been like a budget thing it could have been like a shot thing it could have been like time yeah just it may have literally choice. just been yeah. like their thing but i was just like and now and he's gonna transform now <laughs> Any second, he's yeah. going to become or a Or <laughs> just to overemphasize that he's not truly dead. True, that. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, they, they counter it almost immediately with, with like, you know, Daniel calling bullshit yeah. on that. Man. He's like, yeah, he's like you, you fell you from, knew. like, you know, thousands of feet in the air. You got And shot. survived. And, yeah. sh- you know, all these things yeah. happened to you and you've lived. And you think just poisoning and draining Lestat was going to kill him and just dumping him on the side of the road. Like, with, I don't buy that bullshit. Was going to do that? I don't, don't buy, buy that, that for bullshit. a second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... That I think that was just a shorthand code for look, he's not dead because in the books they want you to believe he's dead for a long period of time until he right, appears they again. Walk away. Yeah. And in yeah. the movie, again, shorthand, they want you to believe he's dead before he appears for the second time before they burn him. But in this, they don't want you to believe he's dead for they any long period of time. It's like yeah. immediately called out like minutes yeah. later. So why go through yeah. all that budget of convincing you he's dead? In, the, in this story rendition, there's really no need for that. And there is more of a need to let people know that Lestat's alive because, you know, season two, the carrying on of the story. We don't want people to think yeah. that this character is dead because he's one of the main characters of the story. And um, But uh, I just, I love that though because in his little... I don't know if it's the story he told himself or the story Armand has convinced him of. And the story when he's like, Claudia's like, I, it's never been someone that I, I'm like, are you going to say love? Because Claudia did not love him, okay? And that is not something that would come no. out of her mouth. But it's much more the double tap, double tap, make sure it's dead. And that's exactly why she was. She's like, we got to make sure he's dead. And then, but Louis doesn't want to take on that commitment because he can't be free of Lestat. So he's like, no, we can do this. We can roll him up. Yeah, we can put him still in holding thing, on. He's, I can't. I can't do that to him. I can't give him the true death. I just, I can't. And I think Lestat kind of knew that because that was his last plea. It's like, put me in my coffin, you know, and stuff like that. And yeah, so I, I do like that the showing him that you did care. You did love him. That was a hard thing for you. You didn't just slit his throat and walk away. You were traumatized by this. This was not an easy decision. Yep. Well, that is a totally different tone than both the book and the film where Claudia is the one that actually mm-hmm. does that. So again, bringing that agency mm-hmm. to his character, not only did it was a really big betrayal because he helped plan it, but he also yep. executed yep. it. He's the one who, who slit his throat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a huge pivot from the the originals, um, which I thought was a very interesting because I mean, as if it's not traumatic enough to watch your like, even though it's messed up, your loved one die in front of you or get murdered in front of you doing it yourself 
when you have conflict already would be so traumatic on such another level than just seeing it happen with somebody else doing it. So like having to live that moment over and over and over with that Mm -hmm. kind of frame. Well, and also that agency is like, you know, Louis is choosing to quote unquote kill Lestat, but also by arguing not to put him in the center, he's choosing to let him live, to let let this nightmare come back into his life. Yeah. Yeah. So he's failed both of them. You know, Mm -hmm. he's failed Claudia because now she knows it's like, it won't be today. It won't be tomorrow. But eventually, eventually. you have killed me because there's no way when he comes to that he's not going to want revenge on me. My theory... I'm not sure because the way they ended that episode, I'm curious if they actually are going to switch things around and have Louis kill Claudia because they have like this little exchange at the very end of that episode that they never complete the the kind of thought process because it just ends at that. But it's it's when um, Daniel's calling him out on his like, oh, you just like, made this really nice fancy package of a story and I'm calling shenanigans uh-huh. on this. And so he starts kind of breaking it down. He's like, yeah, no, you say you just sat there and had a sad moment when your lover died and you're the one that slit his throat. Like, there's no way that you were this calm and collected and just rolled him into a carpet and had a day about it and went off into the sunset with Claudia. So then they have like these brief little like flickers of what is flashing in in Louis's mind. And it looks like there's a moment where he has like Claudia by the neck up against the wall. And I'm like, yikes, does he actually kill her in this moment? Or is it just I think it's, aggression I think it's coming just out? Aggression. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I'm I think curious. I'm curious yeah. if how- uh, especially because she was convinced yeah. she was like keeping elements of the plan away from him. Yeah. And she was telling him fall back in That's love true. with Lestat. And yeah. he did. Admittedly, he she fell back in love with him. How deeply he'd fall yeah. back in love with him. And also, like to yeah. kind of compare to the book and the um, movie, you kind of see it less in the movie, but in the book, it's pretty clear that you know whatever Louis is to her, Claudia hates him. Yeah, she hates him as much as she hates Lestat. She chose him because she can. He, he is more malleable. Yeah. Yeah. Means to an end. You can't. You yeah. can't operate as a even a teenage girl by yourself. You got to have someone. Yeah. Yeah. Six-year-olds, you need a parental yeah. supervisor. And he's, he's much more malleable. <laughs> no matter what. He's much more, he's not going to fight as much. Mm-hmm. So she, just like Lestat, yes. he's a oh, means yes. to an end. Easy to be. Just like Lestat, it's what yeah. can I get from this person? Um, but they do, they hate each other after that. Like, Claudia hates him and he does not like her either. He harbors a lot of hatred towards her. And so when they arrive yeah. in Europe, they do not necessarily like one another at all. Yeah. Yeah, locked and, together in hatred. Yeah. And but <laughs> what I am interested in ch- saying, uh, Aaron, and that changes because the trial's going to come up. And before Claudia mm-hmm. was the yeah. one who poisoned him, and Claudia was the one who slit his throat. But Louis was kind of just a co-conspirator. They changed and parts now, of it, though. Claudia was the one yeah. who poisoned him, but Louis was the one who slit his throat. So I'm very interested yeah. in how they're going to Big shift. shift that. Yeah, especially since, like, the very last thing, you know, we get the Armand reveal, who he is, but also Louis saying, you know, this is Armand, the love of my life, and it's like, wink, wink. oh my what? Lord, we're like, what? Because <laughs> Wait, in, what? in the book, like, and in the movie, too, Louis doesn't feel that strongly with Armand. Like, Armand tries to seduce him, and Louis is falling for movie. it. But once Claudia dies, Louis just, like, ambivalent towards him. Like, yeah, yeah, in the book, it's like, yeah, I guess we can tag along for a while, but Armand eventually realizes, oh... You don't care for me. You're just a mopey yeah. McMoperson. I'm well, gonna when go. He killed Claudia. He killed his humanity. Like he, ki- like yeah. he really took the air out of him. Well, he, and- yeah, he he killed his desire for life. Essentially, Louis just yeah. going through the motions. He doesn't care what happens around him anymore. Yeah. So when Armand leaves, he's like, oh, he left. 
Bye, I guess. Anyway. Like that part of me that you loved, <laughs> that part of me that you fell in love with is dead now because yeah. you killed Claudia. Yeah. And uh, I really think, though, that they're going to do a lot of mental manipulation because, again, the showrunner even mentions at the end of episode seven, he's like, is this a story that Louis has told himself that Armand has told him? It's like, hmm, because they did travel together for a while. They separate and then they're together for a little bit later. I think him, yeah. Daniel and Armand are together for a short time. Uh, and uh, and then he goes to court with Lestat, which, yay. <laughs> but... um. But uh, they go in and out, and Armand is an ongoing thing. But I'm very interested in this version of Armand because he seems very manipulative. Because the servant thing might be, A, just not letting him know who he is. But also, he's monitoring the entire time. He's got speakers throughout that entire penthouse. He's got everything under control. He's listening to what they're saying. And you're seeing him kind of perk up every time Daniel's, like, poking holes in Louis' story. And I'm like, so why and i mean also it's got to be really freaking hard as the quote-unquote love of his life to hear louis go on and on and on and on about the stat you know that must not be fun yeah so i'm very interested yeah yeah that yeah i i want to know really badly how that's gonna pan out and like their the rationale for having him be the quote-unquote yeah. butler yeah <laughs> like it's like I'm very yeah, intrigued what was to know the, what the rationale what was the play was, with daniel yeah, yeah. Besides just uh, like role play, yeah, why? was this just kinky for you too? <laughs> yeah, I was like, was it a kink? I don't know. It seemed like there's a bigger plan, especially when like they start going into like all the diaries and how there's like pages missing and like some of the the kind of stories that he's retelling just don't seem to line up right. It just doesn't. Not everything is very fluid as far as what he had said last time. So it's like, was that true or is this true or are neither of them true? I'm I am curious to see like. If it's more manipulation well, of Armand it, or not. If Armand is like, you know, a master manipulator and he's doing all this, why is he allowing Louis to have this interview again with this guy? Right. Yeah. Why is he not controlling that completely or Louis shutting it down is completely? like a little like, I'll let you have this, but he's not actually letting him have it. I'll let you have this interview, but I'm going to control it more than you know I'm controlling it. Well, why not like Maybe. destroy the letter? It's like, you know, oh, he must have gotten it, but doesn't want to see again. You must have really scared him the last time. Exactly. Maybe. Well, I mean, we do know that Armand likes Danny. We we do know that he likes Daniel. I mean, we we know that from future books, but like how much of that Armand is similar to this Armand? Because already there's a a gigantic difference with like now he's a young Middle Eastern man, a a Muslim man, because Armand is heavily, heavily Christian. Yeah. Uh, Like it it plays a huge part in his backstory. Uh, Even plays a huge part in just the sequel of the vampire Lestat uh, and like his coven of satanic vampires. Yes. So we... Armand's whole backstory may have been changed. So we don't, we may know very, very little about yeah. this Armand when it comes to the book yeah. or the movie. The yeah, lore. or actual yeah. lore. But in, just with this movie and this book and this show, they're all very different Armands. Yes, that's very true. And, but yeah. maybe the interview, the thing behind it was like, I'm going to let you tell it. And maybe he thought it would just drive home the story he's told to Louis. Maybe he's like, okay, you said it. We're done. It's over. You got it out of your system. But maybe mm-hmm. he thought that that would be the end of it. I'm not too sure because it's like, what was the purpose of it? Why is Dan- Why is Daniel mm-hmm. here? Why did he have to come here? Why did you allow him if he is stuck in Dubai, seemingly? Because we never see him go out. We never see yeah. him really. Right. Yeah. He never and leaves that the building. The guy who plays Daniel, I feel like he messed up a little bit because he said, he's like, and Louis, you know, trapped in Dubai. I'm like, that's a really specific word. 
Why do you say trapped? Yeah. Why is he trapped? Well, be- that? Because yeah. he's uh, very rich and that buys a lot of anonymity in that place as opposed to like being very rich in, say, New York or LA or London. Yeah. You, you draw, draw attention. attention. Here, it kind of buys you anonymity because everyone's rich. Yeah. And you can buy security and... Uh, like the biggest privacy silence. laws in the entire world. Yeah. So in that way, yeah. he can't be trapped by the freedom that's allowed there. Yeah. Good yeah. wording. Trapped yeah, that's by the only freedom. place that he's able. No, yeah. Think. Ooh, nice. Well, any any other thoughts about the kind of comparison? I feel like we're like we could easily talk about yes. this for another like three hours. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say about two thousand and ten more things. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> all in all, I feel yeah. that the show. I'll, I'll talk about the movie first. The movie. The 1994 yeah. movie was a great homage to the book in certain ways, and some things they mm-hmm. cut out and changed, but it was it was pretty pretty dang close to the book. Um, yeah. And I feel like the show pays more homages, like like uh, Julie was saying, to the series as a whole, as well as the first book. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're not just looking at it as just Interview with the Vampire. They're looking to expand and make sure that all of these different elements can fit in, and all of these different elements are being built up. So I feel like they string well together. There are obviously people who disagree, but I feel like as a fan of all three, I feel like they go together very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Julie, final thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to say, if you liked this, the book, and you're unsure if you're, uh, what kind of adaptation you like, if you want something as close as possible to it, like watch the movie. Mm -hmm. If you are interested in like a retelling and a reimagining of not just the book, but the lore of the yes. vampire chronicles as a whole definitely give the show a try especially if you like what happened with like i mentioned before the show hannibal yes. and how it kind of fussed with the lore of of that series um to create its own story this kind of has that same element going for it mm-hmm. i could not mm-hmm. agree more with <laughs> both points yeah i i really really enjoyed turning the show kind of upside down and having a new spin on it while also embellishing further on the lore to really just flesh out a lot more of it. And I'm actually, I'm really glad they decided to do it in seasons because I feel like trying yeah. to squeeze the the one book into one season or one show even, I, I feel like it really wouldn't have done it justice. And I really do appreciate that they're expanding mm-hmm. it further. Um, I think that that was a really smart development choice on their part even if it was not yeah their first I mean, pick. it worked out perfectly we got so much more characterization and so much more time with them and i feel like like you were saying it, it yeah. works out better yeah no i think that was a, a happy yes, mistake exactly. Beautiful. <laughs> at least from the viewer side in the show we get so. more answers as to why are they all together why do they stay together yeah we, we get those answers yeah the film was a really nice snapshot of like ooh, this is a really intriguing story and it was put in a very yes. pretty package and it is a nice little kind of novella mm-hmm. feel to it, a very standalone. Again, the first book, seeing as there was such a huge gap between the first book and the rest of the books in the series, again, felt kind of standalone. But the show does feel a little bit more evergreen as far as wrapping a lot more mm-hmm. around it instead of just like spot one, spot two, spot three, which is kind of what the books start to, yeah. to it's a lot. Of, it's like. a lot of stuff to cover. It's a lot of seeds to have to start planting. Yes. It's a lot of lore to have to start spreading so it's like, I feel like they're doing good on that. And, you know, with every show, every mm-hmm. show is flawed. I love this show, but there are definitely parts of it that I'm just like, huh, hmm, you know, and things that could have been done better. But I feel like they're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. I feel like there's been a lot more shows that have kind of taken this on. Like we were talking about Hannibal. I Not quite to the same extent, but I know like uh, Altered Carbon also did this. So mm-hmm. it's a trilogy and they also 
pulled stuff that was actually from the second book and kind of fleshed some stuff out and rearranged mm-hmm. it a little bit just to give a little bit more texture. Um, not quite to the same extent. It was mostly predominantly that first book still, but I feel like there's a lot more shows as of late that have really been kind of fleshing out universes with series yeah. in mind, which I think if you're a, a die, I, I guess I, I don't know what you would define as a dar- diehard fan, but for me, I, I really enjoy reimaginations as long as, again, this is a very common theme is it keeps yep. to the tone. Like, it doesn't have to be a direct adaptation, but the tone has to be there. And some people do really, really well, even if it's totally, like, off the rails. And some people just yeah. train wreck. So it they, they definitely have kept the tone. And it helps that this was actually the true vision of Anne Rice. I think that really is the only reason that this is even functional is because she she's the one that revisioned it in the first place. So awesome, awesome, like, rediscovery of her own work. I think that's pretty cool. All right. Well... Yeah, we did it. We did it. It only took us two and a half hours. <laughs> I, I, I feel oh like though we could have said much, much more. I feel oh, like yes. we were, I feel easily we all did we we restrained easily. ourselves appropriately while saying. Enough, I know. So I'm proud of us. Easily, I think that that could have that we could have broken this up into like five episodes. Honestly, yeah. there's so much content to come. And then you there's guys. so yeah adaptations. There's but, a musical. There's graphic novels. There's manga. Yeah. There's there's so much yeah. to talk about. Other adaptations, but we, yeah. we don't have all that time. I know we will. We will spare you, my friends, uh, from another time. Maybe we'll talk about <laughs> Queen of the Damned, which now I'm like, it's on my list, Julie. Now I can't. You know, wait. I look forward to reading uh, the book and but, yeah. hating the fact that I can't drink for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, well, maybe we'll wait a little bit on that one so yeah. that we can. Uh, well, on that lovely note, uh, I'm gonna pick on you guys one last time, not related to the topic. So, uh, Miss Julie. What are you reading? What are you doing? What are you experiencing? Tell me what's in your life right <laughs> so now. So I uh, have been rereading uh, the Sandman Slim series by Richard oh. Cadry. Um, yeah. So yes. and instead of telling you like you know what it's about, I'll instead tell you, instead tell you how I learned about it, which was at uh, Emerald City yeah. Comic Con two thousand. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> I went to a, yeah. I went to a panel called uh, Dark Humor in. Uh, and fantasy and basically how do you like you know tie in humor into these like really dark stories and Richard Cadry kind of gives an example of his story and he goes well in my first book within the first 100 pages the protagonist um uh, comes back from hell robs somebody breaks into someone's house and then cuts their head off oh. and I realized if you want to like this character I have to make that funny <laughs> I mean that's true <laughs> it's like if it's funny then you're like oh okay yeah and, and so I heard that and I was like <laughs> Huh. I've got to look into this. So I got kind of, kind of put it in the back of my mind. Like, I have to look into this later. And then after that panel, I'm like, you know, outside of it, you know, just kind of wondering what to do next. And that author, Richard Cadry, approaches me and he he compliments my cosplay, which at that point, Aaron, for your reference, was the steampunk Cthulhu. Nice. Yeah. I was just going to say, what year was this? Yeah, I yeah, would yeah. know this. So just like imagine like, you know, this is like, you know, a crowd of like, you know, serious people looking to get into authorship and learning how to write. And in the audience is this creepy little person wearing a hood, a copper, like tentacle mask and like steampunk goggles. And like, I'm doing my arm thing because pointy I've got fingers. paint on my arms and my nails are long and pointy. Oh my God. Just sitting there listening. It's and amazing. he approaches me and he goes, I just want to say, your cosplay is glorious. And then he <laughs> he did 
not have to come up and say that. He was a very nice man. So I was like, God damn it, you're I very nice. I'm going to read your book. And I did. Yeah. And I read them all in like two weeks. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. Nice. Yeah, what, perfect, what a perfect connection. <gasps> yeah. So I did. Are they novels, novels. or graphic novels? What? Yeah. And they're novels, about, okay. you know, it's your standard two to three hundred page long fantasy series, a lot of Christian mythology, like, you know, the Lucifer and God are oh, characters. That, yeah. Your bread and butter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he mentioned that same panel that, like, you know, yeah, he gets people, like, in line for him telling him, like, you know, uh, you're, he's going to hell. And he's like, thank you very much for your concern. Uh, <laughs> I, have res- I have reserved Noted. seats. Thank you. Yeah. I would certainly yeah. hope so. Noted. Yeah. So it, it's, it's very good. It's a very good series. Magic, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, gladiatorial combat, wizards whole bunch of fun stuff yeah high yeah. fantasy nephilim fun angels awesome. uh <laughs> secret cia organizations Ooh. that employ angels and demons yeah what? so yeah damn got it all, got it all. so wow. and monsters so give that it a try sandman slim oh yes Ooh, yes yeah. good wreck julie Awesome. All right, Mary, flipping it to you. What are you doing? Oh, Tell man. us your First, life. First, I have to have my book recommendation, which is uh, oh, the yes. Locked Tomb series, which uh, combines, nice. you know, necromancy, sci-fi, lesbians, punk themes. Yeah, all the fun things. You're, you start <laughs> off with the first book, which is like one of my favorite books ever. It's Gideon the Ninth. And Gideon is this big, buff, dumb, awesome lady. And she's just... And then she's got this little rat bastard Harrow heart. Uh, and and Harrow is like the classic little snarky goth necromancer girl. And she's got a lot of reasons to be that way. And then it turns into nice. like you're getting the lore. And Tamsin has such – Tamsin Mir has such a great voice. And her writing – some people – she can get a little much and you have to reread some things a few times to be like, what happened? And sometimes it flows, it flows <laughs> so well, but she's just great. And um, it goes, you're like, okay, this is sci-fi. I'm, I'm getting into the lore. And then it becomes a murder mystery. And you're like, okay, it's a whodunit. Yeah, it's a whodunit. Um, oh, and uh, nice. then the next one, like each book progressively gets more and more fucked. Like it gets more and more all over the place, but you love it and you're there Good. for the ride. Great. Um, and I just got to say, so now I'm on Nona the Ninth, and I haven't finished it yet, but I want to. Um, and about halfway through it, Gideon is really nice. great. Gideon is kind of like the tastemaker. If you can make it through Gideon and you're good to go, take on Harrow. Harrow's going to be hard because things get more crazy, but you'll love it because you get to meet God. And, uh, well, God, the necromancer, nice. prime necromancer, and he is just awesome. And his name is John. Yeah, his this name is John, and he is John. just a little dork who likes to eat biscuits. And he is just... Yeah, he's, oh every God. time he hangs out, I'm like, you know what? I'd be cool with this God. It's really great. That's lots awesome. of gore. Lots of, uh, we do bones, motherfucker. Like, it's like, it's just great. And uh, <laughs> love it. It's great. And uh, if anyone wants to read the Lock Tomb series, it's fantastic. Uh, How many books are in the series? Right now, three. Uh, the fourth is going to be the last one. Uh, and she's and she's she'll be wrapped wrapped up with it then. Originally, it was going to be three because it was going to be the Lock Tomb trilogy. But then her okay. publisher was like, "Hey, what you have right here is enough for a book. We need to just publish this right now." And she's like, "Okay, so that's Nona yeah. the Ninth, and then the next one will be Electo." Gotcha. Um, other than that, a little cool thing for me with this topic is um, I, I make little comics and stuff like that. I'm a little illustrator, <gasps> yes. and the writers' room for Interview with the Vampires shared like their wall of pictures and Sam Reed and Jacob Anderson were standing in front of my comics and I'm just like what 
Yeah. Oh was, my I god. Was really? I was like, oh my gosh. I, I, they saw my comics. They, they saw them. Because every now and then oh. you post things online, like, oh, they might glimpse it. They might like it. But you saw them, just like, oh. so that was that was a big thing for me. That's yeah. so cool. So those two little things for me. Oh my god. Locked Tomb trilogy and yay, they officially saw my comics. <laughs> well, I might have to get a, a copy of that photo or that post yes. so that we can yes, share yes, it yes. with the world. Yes, that might oh, have to happen. And, uh, <laughs> just thank you so much for having me on. This was just so much fun. Yes, thank you both. It was lovely to chat. Uh, Julie, yes. stellar as always. Please never <laughs> leave me. And Mary, thank you for uh, sticking it out with the Julie of and course. Aaron show. It was so much fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, much appreciated for the awesome convo. And thank you to our listeners for sticking it out. And we will see you next time. And that is the end. We're done.